2: start right there with the coronavirus relief package 4.6 million cases in this country Mm -hmm. a steady climb as we can see through the month of july in deaths in this country as well meanwhile the gdp dropped 33 percent year over year in the second quarter and that six hundred dollar a week unemployment check went away for a lot of americans at midnight on friday do you sense that congress feels the urgency that so many american families like the ones we just saw in kelly's piece there Are they reflecting the urgency of the American people on this?
3: Look, it's hard to say that they are, and it's hard. Look, in fairness, I don't know if I would lump them all together. I mean, the Democrats passed a bill a couple months ago, so I think they would argue that, hey, they met the urgency of the moment, and they would argue that it's the Republicans that haven't met this moment here. And, And that's been part of the problem, is you have a Republican Party that's very much divided on this issue. You have some... Old philosophical divides that think maybe there's too much spending going on, worried about uh, incentives that this comes in. And then, of course, there's just the president's erratic behavior at times, which gums all this up as well. But let's, you know, I don't know why there is an urgency, Willie. I mean, think about what we learned Thursday, right? The economy contracted by over 30 percent, and that was with all these benefits. What would the economy have looked like without it? So, look, I think in about a week, if they haven't done anything, the urgency will be there. I mean, we already have, you know, 10 percent of people saying that they don't have enough food in their house. Twenty five percent of people um, uh, in one survey said they've already missed a a rent or mortgage payment. And again, these benefits just expired Friday.
2: Yeah. And those unemployed Americans, tens of millions of them left in the middle with nothing right now.
4: Hey, and welcome back to Flyover Over Politic Podcast. It's the 4th of August year of our Lord 2020, going a day early because I just had enough stuff. We're just going to do a upfront political slash violence slash media bash and a couple woke, not a full woke section today, uh, decide to wave off and save for the next show. But as you can see by our intro, that is just, once again, our media That's our media in a nutshell. Democrats have been more in the moment, but he's just a referee. He's another one of those individuals like Cuomo, fucking all those fucks over on CNN. They truly believe they're objective, but then you say stuff like this. And then it's followed by Clyburn, who will cover twice today, egging on violence. And I, once again, put this up front as a primer. This is why we have violence in our country.
5: Do you really think Donald Trump is comparable to Adolf Hitler?
6: What
7: I said started about two and a half, maybe three years ago, after one of his state of the unions. That I feel very strongly that this man has taken on strong-arm tactics. And I feel very strongly that he is Mussolini, Putin is Hitler. I said that back then, and I believe that.
4: No pushback from the media. I mean, you really think what the Nazis did, what the Axis powers did in World War II, and then you have modern-day people likening a political party, people who don't think like them, as those people. It is unbelievable. I know we prove it on the show, it goes back to the fucking 70s. I mean, the left and Nazi is just what they do, but that they're able to get away with it is disgusting. It's just disgusting, and it only happens because we have a complicit media who's with the left. And how do I know that? I always segue like that. Well, amazing footage came in about Floyd, but it didn't come from America. It came from the Daily Mail because our media dropped it like a bad habit, and the only sound bites I could find was this.
8: For the first time, two leaked body camera videos show the encounter with George Floyd from the officer's perspective. In one, Officer Thomas Lane confronts Floyd, trying to get him out of an SUV, a gun aimed in his direction. hands. Hands right now. Later in the footage, Floyd drops to the ground as officers lead him toward a squad car. Up,
9: stop falling down. I, I've got the there. Stand up. i got the boat. Stay on your feet and face the
8: car door. The other video, which was also published by the DailyMail.com, appears to come from the body camera worn by rookie officer Alexander King. It shows Floyd resisting the officer's attempt to place him in the squad car. You hear him pleading.
9: God, I'm Get in, the the car. Car. Get in the
8: car, I'm in the Also in the video, fired former officer Derek Chauvin, who's now been charged with second-degree murder. As soon as Floyd hits the pavement, you see Chauvin's gloved hands on him and a knee on Floyd's neck. Leave it. Leave it. Relax. I'm breathe. You're
9: doing fine, you're talking fine. Leave Leave. See
10: seconds after rookie minneapolis police officer thomas lane approaches george floyd's vehicle he's already drawn his gun these body camera videos were viewed in person by NBC News last month, but had not been distributed publicly. The Daily Mail.com says it obtained a leaked copy, apparently recorded off a computer screen. Please don't shoot
9: me. Please, man. I'm not going to shoot you. Step face away.
10: Floyd sobs as he tells the officer he'd been shot before. Please
9: don't shoot me, Please.
10: For the first time, the videos show how a call about an alleged fake $20 bill on Memorial Day escalated into a deadly encounter that would ignite global outrage. Oh, the officers handcuffed Floyd and then to struggle the squad, to man. get him into a squad car.
9: Please, I'm just less phobic. Just leave. Oh, she's still going in the car. Anything sharp on you? I won't do no nerve job. So like, no, sir. I am claustrophobic so for real. You so got him? Like, Could you please break it for me? please? Yes, I'm my with I am not that kind of guy, man. Y'all, hey, I'm a die
10: here. Floyd pleads okay. with the officers.
9: Okay. I'm not bad guy, man. In the car.
10: Saying that he has anxiety and that he just recovered from COVID-19. You.
9: Please. please. You. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fine. Ah. fine. Ah. My wrist, my wrist, man. My wrist, man, please. I can't take this back. Okay.
4: This happened in May, and you just now get the body cam, because it was suppressed. They don't want that stuff to get out, because it ruins the narrative. We're in narrative mode. we got a whole media block on narrative today. Just the narrative. And we must live by the narrative. We die by the narrative. And we must make sure we suppress things for the narrative. This is the Daily Mail story, and we're going to play the whole eight-minute segment that they... Put out, but the media edited just to make the cops look bad. Police body cam footage shows moment-by-moment arrest of George Floyd for the first time from terror on his face when officers point a gun at his head, sobbing before he shoved in a squad car and begging to breathe his life drains away. The terror on his face, Daily Mail's exclusively obtained video, Floyd died, blah, 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 the tape shows minutes detail about minute detail, about Floyd begs, Mr. Officer, please don't shoot me, please man. It also shows how Floyd resisted as the cops tried to force him into the back of the squad car telling them he suffered from claustrophobia. The video begins with Lane knocking on Floyd's car window with a flashlight. Once Floyd opens the door, Lane pulls out his gun and points it at Floyd's head. Floyd begs him not to shoot him saying, I just look at your eye to eye, please don't shoot me man I just lost my mom, man. He sobs as the officer pulls him out of the car and handcuffs him and his ex suggests he was undergoing mental problems and was afraid of the police. After the struggle to get Floyd in the cop car. He is suddenly on the sidewalk shoved a knee on his neck. Floyd says he can't breathe, mama mama, all that shit and they play that up. But what we see in here is they literally are saying, is this motherfucker drunk? Because he was so high. Responses. This video will not bode well for prosecution. A window into his mental state Layer, later, later layered with his toxicology report the fact they began stating he couldn't bleed, breathe long before prone or had any pressure applied. the event was tragic but the DA overcharged. slight correction there Rob Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison inter- interceded and upped the charges knowing full well he would have hard time to convict it when the jury acquits more riots Ellison loves riots. I think he upped to charge so the other three cops could be arrested and charged with conspiracy. The story that he had a heart attack is credible if he struggled this hard for as long and an existing heart condition as well as being on meth with fentanyl. The cops get off and they might. I predict a riot. They're going to going time this trial just for that result. It's what they want and why they foolishly overcharge. It's going to be bad. I mean bad they're not found guilty for murder charges. That was their plan to overcharge, in my opinion, so they could get more riots around election time. Matt Walsh, CNN saw the body cam footage two weeks ago. They published an article describing in which we now know was grotesquely misleading. They never mentioned that Floyd was obviously high and delusional and was resisting from the first moment the officers arrived on the scene. They also don't emphasize that the officer pleaded verbally with them dozens of times before using force. As it stands right now, CNN hasn't said a word about the release of the footage. I wouldn't call it a rush to judgment. I call it a rush to create a false, misleading narrative, knowing full well that the momentum is hard to reverse, even if the narrative is ultimately proven to be false. I teach judo. We use chokes and understand how they work. The neck restraint was used did not choke or strangle Floyd. The autopsy showed that too. The cops were overcharged and not qualified to address this self-inflicted medical emergency. And here is the complete soundbite the media won't play.
9: see Hey man, My, stay in the I'm car. Sorry.
7: Let me I'm see sorry. your other hand.
9: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm Let sorry. me see your other hand. both hands. Put your hands up right now. Let me see your other hand. Right. What what we do? Put your hand up there. Put your hand up there. Put your Hands on the wheel.
11: Put your hands on the wheel. I'm sorry, sir. Waltz well, in the
9: car. I didn't get shot. This, is my, this. Put, my put plan. your foot back no, I'm in. Sorry, sir. I'm so sorry. God dang, man. Man, I got I got shot the same way as I was before.
12: Okay, well when I say let me I'm see sorry. your hands, you put your uh, hands up. I'm so
9: sorry, nah, I'm You got him? Man, Dang man.
12: Put your hands on top of your head. Hands, the
7: on man, of your head. Man. hands on top man. of your head.
12: Hands on top of your head. Step out of the vehicle and step away from me, all right?
9: Sir,
12: step out and face away. <laughs> step Wait. out and face away. Okay,
9: please don't
12: shoot me, please, man. I'm not gonna shoot please. you. Step out and face away. I'm gonna
9: get out of here, man. Please don't shoot me, man. I
13: just lost my
9: mom, man. Step out and face away. Step out and face away. Please don't shoot me, myself. please.
12: Don't shoot me, man. Step please. on the face away. Did you not shoot me, man. I'm not shooting. Step right. on the face okay, away. Okay,
9: okay, okay. Please. Please, 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 man. Please, please. I didn't know, man. So, Get I out of the, the car. I didn't know about I, I didn't know. this. what gonna right now. got the back then. I'm not gonna do nothing. In the Get it oh. home. Oh. Hey, you come back. Stay in the car. Stop resisting, man. Yes, you
14: are. Stay up. Against
2: the wall. Yes.
9: We're figuring
2: out what's going on. Drop the bag. I know what's going on. Adam, What's the
11: problem? Was it? It we
9: was getting a ride, I sir. just got my no,
14: phone it's my ex Adam, Adam
9: oh, told me. This my ex Let's see, man. You can ask Mr. Adam. You can ask
15: Mr. you have ID. I am on 30 on. I just came to buy a tablet, and when I bought a tablet, it
9: didn't, need, it didn't oh work. Oh my whatever. God! He didn't even do nothing. You, know, sir. you have ID? No, I don't. My name's Jamal Brownhill. Uh, no. Sir, okay.
14: I just I came I over to get my phone to see if I have Adam. a purse or nothing.
9: And my daughter is on her way to get me. What's his deal? I don't know, I don't know. Sir. that's his my name. age, I don't know. Well, why is he
2: getting all squirrely and not
9: showing I his hands no and just being all weird like that? Know, because he's been we shot we been before, been Well, no one I, one I get that, a, but yeah. still, when officers stay get out a of the car, he drunk, minutes. is he on something? No, oh, he got a thing going on, I'm telling
15: you what about it, What that mean? He have problems all the time when they come, especially when that man spit
9: that gun like that, It's been one. What's your name?
7: He's He's a good guy.
9: George, oh, oh, right. oh, oh, what are you Oh, Ouch! Ouch again! Are you on something right now? i not, no, nothing. Because you're acting yeah. erratic. Let's go.
14: Yeah,
9: man. Let's go. God, yeah,
14: man.
9: man. Yes. Yes, I was just moving earlier. Let's go. Yeah, I... All right, let me come on down now. Just a little better now. Keep walking. Okay, okay. You know, you do me one favor, man. No, let's when we get to the car, let's, let's get to the car, man. Come yeah. on. Hey, man. Oh, man. I don't need
14: me,
9: man. Please, man, me, man. Here. Oh, I want to watch that so car, mean, too, so... Yeah, I'm going stop falling down. I, fall asleep, fall Stay on your feet and face the car door. Please, man. Get please. Get out no. hey, yeah, talk to you, man? I don't want to talk to you, no. man. Please, let me talk to you, please. Man, you ain't listening to nothing. I for know. Him, so we're not going to listen to nothing you're saying. Not Can you watch that car? Just make sure no one goes in it. I, I hear you, but you are going to face it. right sorry. now. Listen up, stop. I don't do anything. I do anything y'all telling you, man. I'm not a sister, man. I'm not. I'm not. You can ask him. He know me you Check know. God, man, I'm going do nothing like that, y'all. Why is fuck going on like this? Look at my wrist, Mr. Officer. I'm not the kind of guy. Mr. Robinson. I'm not that kind of guy. Stop. Yeah. stop you Please. I'm not that hey, kind I I guy, the kind of guy, Mr. Robinson. Please. Face away. Please, man. Don't leave me by myself, man. Please. I'm just claustrophobic. That's it. Oh, she's
8: still
9: going in the car. Anything sharp on you? I won't do nothing to hurt y'all, Mr. not No, sir. Why are y'all doing me like that, Mr. Allison? Please crack it, doing it for me and stuff, man. I am, am claustrophobic for real, Mr. Allison. You got him? Can you please crack it for me? Please, from yes, Stay I with will. me, will. man. I will. Please, stay with me, man. Thank you. God, <laughs> right, man. I ain't know that, man. Jeez, man, I don't want none of y'all. We nothing. You I'm listening and I understand that that people do stuff. Okay, okay, okay. Grab a
6: seat. I'll roll I'm the windows
9: down, okay? Take a seat. I'm going in, Mr. I am going in. No, you're not. I gotta go in. Take a seat. Grab a seat, man. Mind I don't believe me, but that kind of guy. I'm not that kind of guy, man. Take a seat. Y'all, I'm gonna die. Take a seat. I'ma die, man. You need to take a seat right now. And I just had COVID, man. I do not wanna go back to that. I'll roll the windows down. Hey, listen. Dang, man. Listen. I'm not that kind of guy. I'll roll the windows down and put your legs in, alright? Look at that. Look at that. Look at it, look at it. We can picture it but now while you on it out. man. God, y'all do me bad, man. Man, I don't I don't wanna try to win. I don't wanna try to win. I don't want to win, I, I'm constiphobic, I'm constiphobic, and I got anxiety, I don't want to do nothing to there. I'll roll the window down. Man, I'm scared as <laughs> When I start breathing, when I start breathing, it's going to go out on me, man. For your Okay, 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 let me count the three, let me count the three, and I'm going in, please. I, I'm not trying to win, I'm not trying to win, I'll get on the ground, anything. I can't stand this, man, he know it. Car. I I you yes, so get in this car, we can, can talk! Can I mean, the I'm in the car, I'm claustrophobic! I'm hearing you, fo- but you're not me. working with me! God, I'm claustrophobic, mate, you're in the, the car! i over here, I'm gonna pull you in. Get in the car, We're in the front, please.
12: No, you're not getting in the
9: car. I'm claustrophobic, it's obviously in the in car! car. Okay, okay, man, okay! I'm not a bad guy, oh, man. In the car. I'm not a bad guy. Ah! Uh, oh, God. Ah! Oh, man. Oh, but no. Please, please. Take a seat. Ah! Please, man. Please. No, no. Take a seat. I can't. Oh, I, I can't joke. I can't breathe. I'm just, please. Please. Ah! Ah, I'm fine. I'm fine. ah! My wrist. My wrist, man. My wrist, man. Please. I can't take this back. I the ground, I'm on the ground. I'm the gonna oh, go down. I'm going down. I'm gonna go down. I'm gonna go down. I'm gonna down. Right, right. like <laughs> right. I'm going go down. i know go down. I'm gonna go down. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go down. i to I'm gonna go green! I'm going I'm gonna go down. I'm going gonna going I can't breathe
4: once again what the cop did for nine minutes and 46 seconds was uncalled for but the end of the day that's not what killed him and more importantly because this was suppressed by Minneapolis Minnesota Attorney General and the media it continued the narrative that a man was just walking down the street was snatched by the KKK cops. And murdered. It's what they do every time. Protests erupt when police gun down black men in North Carolina. Then they released the dash cam video. Here's a sawed off shotgun and he pointed it at the cops. Hey, bro. Drop the gun.
16: Drop
14: the gun. Drop the gun. Shot fire, shot fire, shot fire. Fire,
9: 10 Don't move, man. Don't move. Stay still. Shots fired, Seth. We got one male down. 10 40, shot fired. One male down, 10 Hey, man, you good? <laughs> I
4: played that rapid back-to-back because that's the difference in these two things. That's what is wrong with the whole Floyd case. That's why, technically, the shooting of the dude in fucking Atlanta went nowhere really nationally. Only in Atlanta do they go fucking batshit crazy over it. Because instantly... They released the videos. They showed the proof that it wasn't what they were saying. They weren't victims. But in the case of Minnesota, if it would have been North Carolina, we would never have seen the dash cam. Riots would have kept going crazy. People would have died. And you wouldn't get your narrative, would you? Which that narrative, as of today... Is once again, if Trump would leave people alone, they wouldn't be doing anything bad. But as our next story, many Americans can assemble in a church to read Bibles, but apparently you can gather in Portland and burn the Bibles. Ain't that some shit? So that video was from Ian Miles, Miles Chong and Andy Ngo. And now when I try to go get it, the tweets don't exist anymore. If I go to Andy NGOs and try to find the burning flag, it doesn't exist. They have taken it off the net. And I grabbed it right when I got it, but I got the stupid, um, not stupid, but when you really try to get anything... Um, from, uh, my brain lock, sorry, daily wire. If you try to get anything from daily wire, they pump one of their post podcasts, that's a video you download and you literally have to go to it. So I'm going to search real quick. This is live. So we're going to go pause again and see if I can find it. It's gone. It's completely gone. It's been scrunched off the net. But I, I could spend a whole podcast of just going to Andy Ngo's website. Like the Oregonian ran a story about how um, they weren't anarchists and that everything's peaceful. And they show all this fucking violence everywhere. But if you go to Ian Michael Chong, left-wing activists bring a stack of Bibles to burn in front of the federal courthouse. I'll so have to read the story. Uh, Andy and Gio are more flag burning. Numerous journalists on the ground saw left wing activists are trying to provoke response. To federal agents. One journalist reported the riders dumped garbage in front of one exit. CBP cleared the hazards. Agitators trying to provoke response of federal officers. A journalist added, violently battering the door with kicks and using their shields. Um, they were trying to take the the stuff down. There's dead feds. Kill the feds. They started huge pro huge fires everywhere. I mean. It was, it was non-stop. nonstop, stop violence, even though the Fed started coming back. So, uh, Razor, public gatherings to burn Bibles, okay. Public gatherings to read Bibles, banned. Amy Curtis, if you're wondering why we can't go to church, people who are okay with this are the ones making the rules. They don't believe in your right to religion. Another one sent it straight to Chris Cuomo, just like our grandfathers on D-Day, right Chris? Jason Howerton, they are lucky they live in America and have freedom to do shit like this. But stop listening to the media. These are not protesters. This has nothing to do with police brutality. They want to burn everything that America's great to the ground. That's it. And he's right. And then, of course, the media doesn't show the other side of it. Here's a black man in Austin talking shit to BLM protesters because he's trying to pay his bill and feed his fucking kids. They don't show that. They don't show any of this stuff because it's it's against the fucking narrative. An article just popped up when I was looking for that. Uh, black Trump supporters marched through Los Angeles amidst a scorn, despite being called coons and Uncle Toms. A few of us Black Trump supporters took to the front. Took to the front to head a collective march through streets of Los Angeles as we all showed support for America, Trump. And our police, and it sounded like this:
7: huh. Huh, Those are the Black Lives That Matter. Not what? Nothing. Uh, no cover you, on no, old no, magazine. How no, the no. ten-month-old kind of that died over on Monday? No cover on old magazine. The eleven-year-old, the five-year-old in in his own in his own crib. No, no cover on old magazine. What? Silence." Nothing. just like silence right now.
9: You
14: ain't lying.
11: Why are they not talking about the x Yeah. Oh, let's,
9: let's talk. Yeah. Let's talk, you know. You're really the yeah. only ones to talk about it. They ain't going to say you in right. 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 in the 1970s. You're all right. 46 all, right. oh, that's all that's the black nice. population that's killed right. off. Killed off. off. abortion. Yeah. Yeah. But they say black lives. Wait, wait, we, we are only right. in a demographic wait, in the history of the world that a stayed
7: stagnant. as the population. Go together.
4: Also, won't make the news and brought on by political rhetoric from the left. Dunkin' Donuts employee arrested after police find spit in coffee. A Dunkin' Donuts employee in Chicago was arrested late last week after a police officer found spit in his coffee. Illinois, Illinois State Patrol... District Chicago troopers arrested and charged Vincent J. Setzler, 25-year-old male, Chicago, for disorderly conduct, reckless conduct, and battery to a police officer. Uh, Late on Thursday night, an ISP District Chicago trooper purchased a large black coffee from Dunkin' Store in Chicago, and due to how hot the coffee was, took the lid off to help it cool more quickly. When the officer moved the lid, they found a large, thick piece of mucus, which was later confirmed to be saliva, floating in it. But that—that's okay. You see the guy? He's just a fucking douchebag. He's a complete douche. Of course, they're... Duncan quickly did some niceness. I even saw Duncan Donut commercials in our area, which I haven't seen for fucking ever. Um, that's okay because they're cops. Fuck it. If it had been a black person. National news. we can going to help the narrative to get Biden elected. National news. Cop, fuck them. Homicide rates spike by double digits in 36 of the 50 biggest U.S. cities. Double digits. But yet, Biden, the media, we're still hearing, defund the police, defund the police, defund the police. And within this... I find a story I hadn't heard. This is from the Minneapolis city government. So I look up Kyle Hooten. Minneapolis city government tells residents to be ready to give up their phones and wallets and always cooperate with criminals. It's a little, little fucking statement. Uncropped, I find it. Attention, 3rd Precinct Residents, robberies, and carjackings have increased in our precinct. Cell phones, purses, and vehicles are being targeted. Some victims have been maced, dragged, assaulted, and some threatened with a gun. Most of these crimes have occurred north of 42nd Street. 100 robberies and 20 carjackings have been reported in the 3rd precinct police in July alone. Downtown and southwest Minneapolis have seen an increase as well. We want those who live and work to be safe. And since we're disbanding, we'll just give you some good old ideas is pretty much what it is. Robbery prevention tips. Don't walk alone. Be hyper-aware of your surroundings. Carry only items you need and carry less cash. Be prepared to give up your cell phone and purse and wallet. Have keys already in your hands as you approach your car. Despite all our efforts, robberies may still occur. Do not argue or fight with the criminal. Do as they say. Your safety is more important. Be a good witness when you call 911, and then we'll do nothing about it. Carjacking. Lock your doors. Don't stop for strangers who are trying to approach you. Park in a well-lit area. Always be hyper-aware of your surroundings. Use a tracking device. Never leave anything of value in your car. Never leave your car running. Memorize your license plate. Gary Frank. Prevention tip. Be prepared to give up your phone or purse. Somebody has to do it. Might as well get it over with. Prevention. No fucking shit. Razor. Defund the police. Two, cooperate with criminals. Three, liberal utopia. Mark compliant not. Give up your freedom so criminals can have theirs. That works. I love how give up your cell phone and wallet is under robbery prevention. This is your new improved city of Minneapolis. But the problem is this all goes in line with how the left thinks. Even
17: Barry Weiss says it about the New York Times. He quoted your letter, from your letter, Barry, saying, Everyone lives in fear of the digital thunderdome. Online venom is excused so long as it's directed at the proper targets. And Zuckerberg agreed. Bezos agreed. Bezos said social media is a nuance-destroying machine. And I agree. And I don't want to live in that world and, and Barry, you also said Twitter is not on the masthead of the New York Times, but Twitter has become its ultimate editor. What do you mean by that?
0: Well, first of all, I'm, I'm gratified that the heads of those big tech, big tech companies agree with me. Um, but I think they need to look inside their own houses. The fact is, is that the reason that the New York Times and all of these other newspapers around the world have been decimated is because of the products that they sit on top of. The reason that Twitter is the assigning editor of the New York Times is because the printing press isn't the printing press anymore. It's because the publishing, the printing press is in each one of our pockets. These technologies have severed our relationships with the, you know, the editors and the newspapers we used to rely on. What I meant in that letter when I wrote um, that Twitter's the assigning editor What I mean by that is that in order to do our job well, writers and editors, we need to have a level of bravery and thick skin and fearlessness. And when you are living in fear of an online mob, you know, all it takes is a dozen people to repeat a lie about you, that you're a racist, that you're a transphobe, that you're a bigot, for that lie to become true. And that's extremely dangerous. Now, the thing that insulates it is that when when you have leaders at the top who say, we don't care about that outside noise, we're gonna stand by you and the truth that you're pursuing no matter what. The problem that happened at the Times and that's referenced in the letter, the Harper's letter that Thomas helped shape is that my boss got fired for running an op-ed by a sitting US Senator. Now you might say that Tom Cotton is detestable that you disagree with him, but I don't wanna live in a world where the views of half of the country can't be heard in the paper of record. And that's I fear where we're headed.
4: She's spot on. I mean, you deserve what you get, folks, if you don't agree with them. And that's not my conjecture. It's not my rhetoric. It's not me being sensationalist for a podcast. It's reality. Zach Goldberg brings it to us. White liberals are significantly more likely to say that they sometimes or often, all the time, secretly wish for bad things to happen to those who disagree with them politically. How often do you secretly wish for bad things to happen to those who disagree with you politically? 65% white liberal. White moderate, uh, 80%. White conservative, 80%. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm fucking this all up. Never is 60, 80, 85 for conservative. It's 25% for white liberals they do all the time. White moderates 4%, conservatives 10% of the time. White liberals are also more likely to think it's appropriate to judge people's past actions and comments by today's moral standards. Uh, White conservative, 30%. White liberal, 40%. Zach Goldberg, again, nice to finally have some data on such sentiments. How well did the following statements fit with your views? There should be zero tolerance for offensive remarks. If you make such a comment, you should be fired. Fired. 28% of all liberals believe that. Oh, I'm sorry. 30%. I read it wrong. It's one of those stupid fucking bar graphs. How well do the following statements fit with your own views? It is often unfair to make victims testify in front of those who have hurt them. 40%. Agree with it for white liberal. Uh... Please indicate whether you have or ever have done each of the following. He didn't do a very good job like that. Tried to shame someone on Facebook or Twitter. White liberal, 30%. Critic someone to their face or making racist or sexist comments. 55% of white liberals say they have criticized someone to their face for making racist or sexist comments. And shame people, 28%. Some complain that too many people are easily offended these days and too quickly to police what others say. They refer to these as political correctness. In your view, how serious of a problem is political correctness? Conservatives, 55%. Moderates, 35%. White liberals, 20%. Some complain that too many people make offensive comments these days when they should know better. In your view, how serious is the problem of people saying offensive things when they should know better? 55% of all white liberals think too many people say offensive stuff because offensive to them is anything they don't agree with. If you say there shouldn't be third trimester abortions, that's offensive. If you say there's just two sexes, you get blocked on fucking Facebook. I mean, Paige was a hard-left person. She wasn't Antifa, but she was pretty quick, pretty close. Paige in Oregon, and she instantly, off a meme, dumped me. And then we know why we have all this. When you look at the statistics, that's just one poll. One poll ask of people their views, and you see the extreme people in our country are the left. The problem is, those same people are Armenia. And that's why you get the following statistic Trump approval back to 51%, supporters at 70% more enthusiastic than Biden's. 70% more. And it's not because Trump is great, it's not because Trump is the right choice. It's that you left us no other choice, folks. We have nothing else. So, as we go to a music break, what's our music break assignment today? Hmm, let's see. We'll play woke since we're not doing this. We're going to play AOC. No, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. We're going to play If Joe Biden Was a Cop given to us by Matt in Oregon. This is some funny-ass shit.
11: Seriously, I'm getting pulled over. Damn it. Afternoon, sir. I'm Officer Biden. Do you know why I stopped you today? Uh, actually, no. Huh. Well, are you aware that there's been some laws passed before? I fought for those laws. I fought hard. I was the only one that stood for that for years. Back there on Main Street. I'm sorry, officer. Uh Don't take this the wrong way, but... I really don't know what you're talking about, young man. You know, back there, the law as you're driving, the thing. You know, the thing. the The thing. You think? Could you get a little more specific? I I don't know what you're talking about. Don't get smart with me, young man. You think I can't do this job? I'll challenge you to a push-up contest right now. <laughs> are you are you even a real cop? Why would you even say something like that, young man? Dude. You're not even wearing normal clothes. Uh, Are those flip-flops? They're slides, but... Shit. Okay, man. Okay, so why did you stop me? What's going on? Well, it looked like you were leaving Corn Pop's house back there, and he's a bad dude. And I want to make sure that you're a good dude. Okay, so who in the hell is Corn Pop? You don't want to know. I told you, he's a bad dude. But I'll tell you what. We might be able to work something out. If you want to rub my leg hair back up and down like the kids like to do, maybe we can forget about all this. All right. uh Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I feel a little uncomfortable right now. Um Can you just tell me why you stopped me? Maybe I'll tell you that when you can tell me how many AR-14s are in this vehicle. AR-14? What are you talking about? What am I talking about? I fought the NRA. I know my guns. Okay, Listen, Officer Biden, you gonna give me a ticket or something? Cause yeah, I can't follow you, man. I don't, can I, am I free to go? What's that smell, son? Is that the wacky tobacco? The devil's lettuce? The big yellow bird? Satan's stink finger? What's going on in here? (laughs) No, listen, I thought weed was legal anyway. Satan's stink finger? Get out of here. Wait, stop, dude. What's going on, man? what are you doing stop and sniff thought it was stop and frisk that too oh look man this is wrong so wrong on so many levels this is totally up can i go i'm gonna let you go with a warning this time as long as you promise to vote for me when i run for sheriff no no i'm not voting for you well if you don't vote for me then you're not really white
5: A politic podcast
6: with tony reed
11: move aside and let the man go through let the man go through move aside and let the man go through
6: let the man go through uh two-part question for you so you didn't kneel during the anthem but you also didn't wear a black lives matter shirt uh do you believe that black
18: lives matter
19: As- absolutely i believe that black lives matter um a lot, a lot went into my decision, and, and part of it is, first off, um, it is it's my thought that you know, kneeling or wearing a Black Lives Matter t-shirt um, don't go hand-in-hand hand with supporting Black Lives. And so um, I felt like, just me personally, um, what it is that I believe in, standing on the stance that um, I do believe that Black Lives Matter, but I, I just felt like it was a decision that I had to make, and, and I, I didn't um, you know, feel like putting, putting that shirt on and, and kneeling, I uh, went hand-in-hand with um, supporting Black Lives or that it, it made me support Black Lives or not. I believe that uh, for myself, my, my, my life has been supported um, through the gospel Jesus Christ and um, that everyone is made in the image of God and that we all fall short of God's glory. And that um, you know, each and every one of us, each and every day do things that we shouldn't do. We say things that we shouldn't say. Um, we hate and we dislike people that we shouldn't hate and dislike. Um, and, and sometimes it gets into a point where we point fingers but whose evil is worse and and sometimes that comes down to simply whose evil is is most visible so um, I felt like I wanted to just take a stand on I feel like we all make mistakes but I think that the gospel of Jesus Christ is that there's grace for us and that Jesus came and died for our sins and that if we all will come to an understanding of that and understand that God wants to have a relationship with us um, that we can get past skin color we can get past all the things in our world that are messed up, jacked up I think when you look around, racism isn't the only thing that, that, that plagues our society, you know, that plagues our nation, that plagues our world. And I feel like, you know, coming together on that message that we want to get past not only racism but everything that that that, that, that plagues inside the society. I feel like the answer to it is is the gospel.
6: If I'm able to answer that, sorry, go ahead. Oh, am I able to follow up with a quick one? Yes, please do. Go ahead. Okay. Um. So, Jonathan, I, I, I'm i asking this with all sincerity. I just want to really understand your reasoning for that. Can you just explain further what you feel like religion has to do with kneeling for the anthem to
18: protest against racism and police brutality? The correlation between those two? Well, I mean,
19: honest, honestly, I don't, I don't really see it as religion for myself. I see it as a relationship with God. Um, through, through the Son of God for our sins. I feel like not only, I don't, I don't think that, you know, kneeling or um, putting on a t shirt for me personally is the answer. I feel like um, for me, black lives are supported through the gospel. All lives are supported through the gospel that we all, like I said, have things that, 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 that we do our own. And, um, sometimes it gets into a place of pointing of fingers about which wrong is worse. You know, I mean, who's wrong is scene? So I feel like the Bible tells us that, we're all, that we all fall short of, glory, of the, We all fall short of God's glory, and that at the end of the day, you know, whoever will humble themselves and, and seek God and repent of their sins, that, that that we could see it in a different light,
0: see our mistakes, see people's mistakes in a different light, we'll see people's evil in a different light, and that would help bring us closer together and get past skin color, get past anything that you know that's on the surface
4: doesn't really deal with the hearts of men and women thank you orlandomagic.com hey, so that was the one guy who refused to take a knee jonathan isaac his sales soared for him and he refused to wear blm refused anything well right out the gate last friday Isaac of the Orlando Magic, who was an ordained Christian minister, became the first NBA player to refuse to kneel for the National Anthem. He also would not wear a BLM shirt. On Sunday, as the Magic played Sacramento, Isaac suffered a season-ending ACL injury, which prompted ESPN host Dan Lebitard to post a question asking whether people thought the injury was funny. Poll, is it funny that the guy refused to kneel and immediately blew out his knee? Because everybody listens to a show more for PC shit than actual sports content, because I've listened to it quite a bit. Forty-six percent said yes, and fifty-four no. The post prompted strong pushback. Lebatard's show is epitome of far left sports coverage. Outkick the coverage, a pine of player standing is so bothersome, bothersome that it justified laughing at a gruesome injury. Can you imagine Lebatard running a similar pour if Colin Kaepernick went down with an injury? Of course not. You'd be met with termination letter. Lebatard has called NFL owners cowards for not signing Kaepernick after the game Friday. Isaac spoke to the press. He said, "Do you believe the Black Lives Matter? Absolutely, I believe Black Lives Matter. Blah 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 blah. My life supported the gospel. I'm a Christian, so I don't." believe in it. Later on Monday the issued apology on Twitter writing, we apologize for this poll question I said it on the front and back end of the on-air conversation. I th- didn't think it was funny Regardless of the contents we missed the mark. We took the tweet down when we realized our mistake and how we posed the question to the honor, uh, audience Dan oh, you're not sorry you're, you're not sorry You're not sorry at all. It's who you are. This is how you guys play baseball. It just is. I've listened to your show. You're fucking asshats. It's mostly politics. All the time politics. It's what you do. Because you're fucking assholes. So, let's do a short violent left section.
20: Oh oh don't win.
6: No! I've had two abortions. I don't give a fuck. No. It's my body. It's
4: my... No. 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 realize the biggest no. terror threat
17: in this country is white men. Most of them radicalized right r- up to the right.
21: All punches are not equal morally.
14: Walk hey, away. Walk off.
4: so that is blm dogging somebody in a restaurant again our mainstream media ignores it because of course they're going to democrats have been asking for you to fucking harass people in restaurants since fucking trump got elected and we can go back to fucking everybody in his administration people with red hats people getting egged during the election they'd ignore it say it was trump's rhetoric blah 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 but it comes again from the hate on our media here's cnn cuomo and them dogging Herman Kane. you know, hasn't even had an autopsy.
21: You were friends with uh, John, um, Congressman Lewis for a very long time. May he rest in peace. Yes. Um, I thought it was very interesting that President Obama, uh, it kind of threw me, to be honest, Chairman. I, I thought that he was going to talk about uh, how Congressman Lewis had come up and what he had fought through and what the impact was on desegregation and voting rights. Instead, he identified as what was the opposite or the target for Lewis in terms of fighting injustice on what Trump is doing right now. Let me play a little bit of it for the audience to remind.
16: George Wallace may be gone, but we can witness our federal government sending agents to use tear gas and batons
21: against peaceful demonstrators. Do you believe that what this president is doing is on par with what Lewis and you and so many, a generation, fought against in the 60s?
7: Absolutely. No question about that. If you look at what John Lewis and those 600 people walking across the Edmund Pettus Bridge back in, what, March uh, 1965, they were peaceful. They were coming out of church, walking away from a church and they were uh, put upon by what I call state-sponsored rioters calling themselves law enforcement. That's what they did then. Same thing at Black Lives Matter Plaza in New York. I mean, I'm sorry, Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. That's what they were doing. Peaceful. And this president called out uh, law enforcement officers on horseback clearing the way for him to go out and stage a phony uh, Bible-toting uh, trip in front of St. John's Church. That is the same thing. this That's why the president uh, reminded people that there's no difference in what this president is doing, doing today than what was done in Alabama back in 1965.
21: You think this president has hate in his heart for people like you? and for the idea of justice in society for all?
7: Well, I don't know about hate, but I know he has tremendous disrespect for people who do not look like him, people whose backgrounds and experiences are different from his. He would not rent his apartments to people who look like me. He called uh, on the state of New York to execute four innocent people Young men who
20: look like me did. I was I'm just wondering what happened in the White House, knowing that Herman Cain went to that Tulsa rally. Okay, the Tulsa Mm -hmm. rally that the medical experts in Tulsa did not want the president to hold because they knew it would be dangerous. He went as a healthy 74 year old man. He was not sick. He was not positive for coronavirus that day. Then a month later, he is dead. Is there any feeling inside the White House of responsibility, of yeah. guilt, of connection to this?
5: This is, not how the, this is not how the White House has handled it. In fact, you've seen the president say not that long ago, I think it was a few days ago, that he's known several friends who passed away from COVID and one who was was close to the end. I, I have to assume he was talking about Herman Cain. Um, the White House continues to have a very blinded view of all of this. They do not look at actions they have taken as having an impact on... People getting sick, whether that's the Tulsa rally, whether it's a lack of sufficient testing across the country, whether it is the lack of a national plan to combat this. And this incident with Herman Cain, which is obviously tragic, is uh, no different. You get talk like that and then
4: you get this. Far-left activists go into Oregon suburbs to go after police precinct. It doesn't end well for them. Far-left activists enter Portland suburbs on Saturday where they travel to local police precinct before being forcibly chased out of the area. Portland police have directed people to stay off the property at the Pabrunda Kelly building property. Anyone who enters the property may be subject to force or arrest. People in the unlawful assembly have thrown glass bottles at the police and directed lasers at them. Um, Approximately 200 leftist activists showed up at the facility, which is part of the Multnomah County Sheriff's Office. Antifog gathered in residential area of Portland to attack a police building. Journalist Andy Ngo tweeted, they've been pushed back so far. And then he shows them doing fire, throwing objects, burning flags. No end in sight. Next article. 150 shots fired, high-powered lasers deployed by Portland protesters as feds withdraw promptly Nicholas Kristof. Trump said the feds were in Portland to protect rather than provoke, but the retreat of feds on two nights running replaced by state police resulted in peace breaking out. No rubber bullets, no injuries. Pretty clear who was provoking violence. But then you see they arrest all sorts of fucking people. Drew Hernandez, NFO going into overdrive and is now pulling down protective wooden boards off buildings. There was no peace. There was no peace at all. Simultaneously on Twitter, because it keeps getting out that there isn't peace, was a Unverify and Andy NGO. That was what they were going after. Because they know that's where it's coming from. Without Andy NGO, you wouldn't know anything about Portland because our media has walked away. They don't want that to get out that it wasn't Trump. It's all about narratives. Narratives matter. Portland disbanded police gun violence unit on july first, finished month with the most homicides in thirty years. Twenty four fucking people have died. 63 shootings in July compared to 28 the year before. And it's all along the West Coast because Seattle, police chief slam city council after activists target her home. You must forcefully call for the end of these tactics. Chief police called Seattle City Council stand up against mob rule after aggressive activists reported targeting her home over the weekend, which scared her neighbors. I wanted to update you on recent events, particularly those occurred late last night. Bess wrote a letter addressed to City Council President Lorne Gonzalez, the fucking socialist. A resident of mine in Sonomish County was targeted by a large group of aggressive protesters late last night. My neighbors were concerned by such a large group, but they were successful in ensuring the crowd was not able to trespass or engulf in their illegal behavior in the area, despite repeated attempts to do so. Currently, the local sheriff, not SPD, resources, is monitoring the situation. I urge both of you and the entire council to stand up for what is right. These direct actions against elected officials, with especially civil servants like myself, are out of line with and go against our very democratic principles. That guide our nation. Before this devolves into a new way of doing business by mob rule here in Seattle and across the nation, elected officials like you must forcefully call for the end of these tactics. But Durkin, well, she called for this, relinquishing authority of her office and disregarding city employment for hiring rules. Using her official office and equipment... Okay, what is this? Durgan called an investigation of falling... Okay. Mayor, the mayor has not even home. She was working at City Hall. Seattle can should be peaceful, blah, 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 Durgan later sent a letter to Gonzalez calling for investigation into Sawant and suggesting that council measures should be expelled... And they were looking into relinquishing authority of our office, using our official office and equipment to promote and raise money for balloting initiatives, using our office position, gave access to city facilities to admit hundreds of individuals in city hall, using our official position and possibly staff to encourage attendees to rallies She led on June 28th to occupy city property, using our official position to lead a march to my home where they dogged shit. But it's nationwide. Louisville BLM activists to Louisville businesses list five repercussions of noncompliance. A letter sent from activists to businesses and nonprofits in the East Market District of downtown Louisville also referred to New Lou, New Louisville, made a series of demands related to racial reparations and reported threatening consequences if the demands were not met. New details have come to light after Daily Wire reported on Story last week after being contacted by a Louisville resident who said they were stunned by the letter. Local ABC News affiliate WASH11 News reported that Black Lives Matter protesters were the ones who gave the letters out to businesses. A local reporter posted the following five repercussions of noncompliance. Reduction and racial index store bias report to the Better Business Bureau. Social media blast. Boycott. Protest. Invasive reclamation, placement of booth tables outside your establishment where competing black per- proprietors will offer items comparable to offer to you. The Daily Wire received a letter. Businesses will adequately represent the black population in Louisville by having a minimum of 23% black staff, including management, in front of house positions and maintain commitment and accountability and increase that number. Retail locations will include a minimum of 23% inventory of black retailers or make a recurring monthly donation of 1.5% net sales back to black local organizations. It sounds like the mob. It's called racketeering. Business owners will require diversity, equity, and inclusion training for their staffs. Customize your own or display one of the attached written statements in a viable location within your business which is their bullshit. Nonprofits in New Loon districts will submit to voluntary external audits of their board of trustees and take necessary steps for 23 per representation of black people on their board. Business owners and nonprofit leaders will participate in quarterly roundtable discussions to be held accountable for the communities to these demands and work together towards increased equity, maintain adequate black representation in any entertainment and performances, Dress code policies inherently discriminate against black folks, women, and transgender community. You must eliminate dress code policies that promote profiling towards patrons and employees, including their hair requirements or stipulations, which can disproportionately target black folk. 23% black representation on the board of the Nulu Business Association. Demands number 7 and 8 appear to have been removed from the letter obtained by the local reporter, while demand 9 appear in a different place in the letter. That's racketeering. You can't do that. But they are. And nobody's reporting on it. They're just making these wildish demands... And if you listen closely, what did you hear? That's what Glad does every year. Demands you either do what the fuck we say or we boycott you. Or we put you on blast on Twitter. And everybody's so scared of this 18% of the country on Twitter that they go with it. A break in all these stories is pretty simple. It's either Trump or those who hate me for my belief in God. Anti-Trump tweeter makes powerful case for why he's voting Trump. Koy It's nineteen. The Democrat media who are a single team working hand in hand are so much worse than anything I could be compelled to vote for. Trump is a pig, and not a not very intelligent one either. He's a little man who craves attention. I believe this in twenty sixteen, I believe it now. Trump made disgusting comments about the foul behavior he believed he could get away with due to his fame, which was rightly excoriated. He was called out by people who were completely silent an actual sexual abuse of minors because the part, guilty party had a D by his name. Dealing with illegal immigrants and children was dealt with, perhaps poorly by locking children away for separate from the policy, but that was ignored when it was a policy the Ds did. The pandemic was not taken seriously enough, but the only one... But that was only human sacrifice for the Republicans. Democrats were cheered for the mishandling of this crisis in a way that killed literally thousands of people. Abuses by law enforcement process justified protesters became a completely unjustified violent riot. These abuses aren't new. They just don't get attention until Trump's in charge, apparently, of city-level law enforcement. At any level of government, whether policy issues or morality concerned, it seems that the only way to have problems recognized and dealt with is to have a Republican president. Holy fucking shit, I've said that. I don't want Trump. I want a moral, responsible adult as a good person to be in charge. Democrats and their lapdog stenographers in the media have decided that's not something I can get. It's either Trump where problems will be called out, or Biden where problems will be ignored or applauded. It's either Trump or a group that gets to decide whose skin color or personal preference matter enough. It's either Trump or those who hate me for my belief in God. It's either Trump or those who are okay with raping young kids. I don't want Trump. But what choice do I have? And my God in heaven, that's a never Trumper. That sounds a lot like your host. They've gone too far. They keep going too far. D.C. police make arrests for defacing private public property. No, not rioters or statues, vandals, students writing a sidewalk chalk message outside a Planned Parenthood. It was a segment on Tucker. I'm trying to stay away from the Tucker, but it's really hard not to play
12: this. Destroying our cities, toppling statues, defacing public property. Covering our public spaces in racial slurs and obscenity, spray painting everything. Our leaders have essentially ignored all of it. The mob is still free to commit vandalism, and boy, are they doing it. A handful of pro-life activists in Washington, D.C., however, are much less lucky because they're less favored by our political class. They were arrested for writing, quote, black preborn lives matter in chalk on a sidewalk outside an abortion clinic. Here's a video of their arrest.
22: This is our constitutional right. We do this every Saturday. Hey, folks. I need to tell you now that if you continue talking, you're going to be placed under arrest for defacing property. We do this every Saturday. OK, I'm giving you the warning.
23: You understand that, right? If you continue talking, you're going to be placed under arrest. OK. You have
9: a You know they do this every Saturday,
0: right? Every Saturday. This is completely public property.
22: I majored in political science.
12: This is public property. Oh, so that's what the police are doing as the murder rate across the country skyrockets. They're arresting nonviolent pro-life activists putting chalk on the sidewalk. Warner Depressed was arrested. Kristen Hawkins is president of Students for Life. That's the group that organized the protest. Both, both of them join us tonight. Warner, Kristen, thank you both very much Thanks for, for having coming us. on. So, Thanks, Tucker. Warner, if you would, describe what you were doing when you were arrested.
15: Yes, Tucker. I arrived at, at Planned Parenthood at 5 a.m. We were met, Students for Life leaders and I were met with six police cars. We were told we could not paint Black Freeborn Lives Matter on the street as we had planned. We sidewalk chalked, then I and another Students for Life team member were placed under arrest. This is a violation of our First Amendment, right? This is viewpoint discrimination. We then were thrown into a paddy wagon, taken to jail, put in a uh, jail cell. It was basically like Shawshank Tucker.
12: So, Kristen, you're in Washington. You've been there more recently than I have. The city appears to be covered in political graffiti, racial slurs, obscenities, spray paint indelible on our public buildings. This was chalk, this is colored dust, right? Am I missing something?
1: You're not missing anything, and that's what's so ironic about this situation. I couldn't be more proud of Warner and Erica and the student leaders, but also more simultaneously afraid of our rights, Um, because this was clear uh, what was happening was viewpoint discrimination. We have a mayor here in Washington, D.C. that painted the streets Black Lives Matter that allowed activists associated with the Black Lives Matter organization to then go without a permit and with permanent paint, paint, defund the police. We requested permission to paint the streets Black Preborn Lives Matter because now the mayor has opened up the streets for public expression. We didn't hear from the mayor. We were told from the police to use please temporary paint, which we agreed to do. But yet we saw the mayor's response when we arrived on Saturday morning with six police cars.
12: Yeah. They say they care about black lives, but they support abortion clinics in black neighborhoods. Kanye West says that out loud about every 20 minutes on Twitter and they call him crazy, but he's not crazy. He's right. And so are you. Last question. Very quick. Is anyone coming to your defense paying legal bills? Has any group of lawyers offered to defend you pro bono?
1: Absolutely. We've been flooded with requests from different legal teams. We have our own general counsel at Students for Life of America, and we'll be working with a group of attorneys uh, very soon uh, to defend Warner and Erica and their criminal charges, but then also to move forward in a First Amendment constitutional case against the city for infringing on our rights and opening up the streets to public expression, but then denying ours.
12: That's exactly right. I hope you move forward with maximum aggression. You know, it's your country, you. too. Sorry. We will. Is. Absolutely. Warner, Kristen, thank you both very much. I'm glad you came. Thanks. Thank you.
4: Understanding that segment, you literally see kill the cops, kill feds. It's painted everywhere. Response. Breaking. MPD arrest pro-life students for writing pre-born Black Lives Matter and chalk outside a D.C. Abortion Clinic. MPD tells me the students were arrested for defacing private public property footage captured shows they weren't Catherine L. Bryant, people are allowed to make large murals on streets with paint, but you can't write the same or- wording with one additional word, preborn on with in chalk. Chalk. Amy Curtis, so only some people express their opinions, dodging bullets. Why is BLM free to face whatever they like, but the rules don't apply for anyone else? Timothy Sandifer, I'm a pro, as, pro-choice, as pro-choice as this as can be, this is an absolute unacceptable violation of free speech. Simultaneously, sinal, which is kind of like simultaneously, D.C. Mayor exempts John Lewis funeral attendees from city quarantine. Lawmakers attend the funeral late. Representative John Lewis in Atlanta earlier this week are exempt from Washington D.C.'s self-quarantine restrictions, according to Merrill Browser's office. Regarding regarding why attendees at Lewis' funeral escaped that stricture of self-quarantine, Browser Press Secretary Susan Castillo characterized the ceremony as an essential government activity, telling just the news on Friday. Government activity is essential in the capital of the United States. Exempt. From the mayor's order, the mayor's office still deemed the funerals of regular people non-essential activities. However, when asked whether the attendees on non-governmental funerals in high-risk areas are still required to self-quarantine under the mayor's order, the answer was yes. So, it goes back to, we have two different rules. NYC. Steve Thrower So do what I say not as I do. New York Post. De De Blasio admits city skipped permit process to paint Black Lives Matter murals. City officials ignored their own application process for public art projects to paint BLM murals around the five bureaus in order to mark an important moment in history. Mayor De Blasio said as his administration faces claims of First Amendment violations refusing to greenlight other proposals. We can't have said no to people. We've said, if you want to apply, you can apply. But there's a process, de Blasio said during the City Hall press briefing. John Nicoza, laws and rules are for everyone but us. So the rules only apply to others, not de Blasio. Is this for all permits? What about social distancing? And then you get real pushback. Tampa Bay Times, there's a back the blue mural at police headquarters But Tampa didn't okay it. According to the Tampa Bay Times, organizers worked for weeks to get approval from the city before painting the mural over the weekend without a permit. Crutz said they used orange cones of their personal vehicles to block the road while they worked. The reason why we decided to proceed without a permit is because Black Lives Matter murals all over the city that say Black Lives Matter and they were not permitted, Kurt said, Kurt said she filed a record request to the city for permits issued for Black Lives Matter murals and was told none were issued. The paper further notes that murals has been criticized on social media as ugly and difficult to read, and some posts suggest accidentally spilled paint over it. We know of at least two people who accidentally spilled paint on the Black Lives Matter mural in Manhattan, but de Blasio, the road crew, crews out within a few seconds and fixed them. See, if you allow it for one group, you're going to get it for all groups. That's just the way it works. Juliet K.M., FAA, and this is a journalist, should adapt a no-miss list, no-mask list, much like no-fly, for terrorists, and permanently prohibit passengers like this from booking flights on any airlines. Call it total jerks list if you want. Complete asses, if it makes you feel better. Anna Cabrera. Another CNN journalist dealt a statement to CNN flight 1227 from Detroit to Atlanta returned to the gate following two customers who were non-compliant with the crew instructions after a short delay. The aircraft departed Atlanta, two passengers removed from the plane, a spokesperson said. The doctor, Juliet, wants to ban people that she thinks are total jerks. Government making lists seldom works out, especially when the people on it have committed any crime. Before long, people will suggest rounding up said jerks and maybe send them to re-education camps. Rules for you. I'll bet you a fucking dollar that bitch don't wear a mask. i bet you a dollar. And it's all because we're in narrative mode. And this is why we've kind of shorted the sound bites for the A and B block. Because the C block today is heavy. And the narrative is Trump's ruining America he won't leave off office now well, to bring out the old media pushing the left soundbite and it goes a little something sub-
10: to say that we are closer to victory today is to believe in the face of the evidence The optimists who have been wrong in the past.
24: Do Democrats overestimate the fear uh, by not leaning more into
3: gun control measures? But just as important as what we are going to do this hour is what we're not going to do. We're not going to debate climate change, the existence of it. The earth is getting hotter, and human activity is a major cause, period. We're not going to give time to climate deniers. The science is settled, even if political opinions
25: That. Whereas everyone knows that Democrats actually care about stuff. Right. right.
17: Bigots on the ballot are the shameful dark side of our politics right now and they are running as
4: republicans
6: Yeah, April, I mean that's a good question. If Republicans, if this president is concerned about the security and of this election
18: and the integrity of this election, why aren't they investing more to make sure it is secure and can go forward without a hitch. Well, first of all, there's hypocrisy here because this president has already used mail-in voting himself. And he wasn't complaining then. So everyone sees what this is about. This president is imploring and channeling uh, pre mecca Malcolm X with the words, by any means necessary. He's trying to create doubt. He's now trying to go along on the bandwagon of voter suppression, something that he never wanted to deal with before. He was talking voter fraud when we all were raising questions about issues of voter suppression. Now he's on that bandwagon. It's a little too late right now to do that. And going back to... Uh, like the issue of January 20th by the president not leaving. Uh, Maya Angelou said, if they show you who they are, believe them. The president has said before in many tweets that he wasn't going. He said it months ago. Joe Biden even hmm. acknowledged it. And it's real. So there's going to be a split screen on January 20th, 2021. If Joe Biden is now going to be the 46th president of the United States, you will have him being inaugurated and and, and watching police and armed forces trying to pull Donald Trump out of the White House. I cannot wait for that split screen.
5: I just I want to ask you about something you said on Friday night in an interview with PBS. You said that you don't think President Trump would be willing to give up his office and that, quote, he thinks that the American people will be duped by him like the people of Germany were duped by Adolf Hitler. Do you really think Donald Trump is comparable to Adolf Hitler?
7: What I said started about two and a half, maybe three years ago after one of his state of the unions. that I feel very strongly that this man has taken on a strong-arm tactics. And I feel very strongly that he is Mussolini, Putin, is hitler i said that back then and i believe that i believe very strongly this guy never had an idea about being one to peacefully transfer power i don't think he plans to leave uh, the white house he doesn't plan to have fair and unfettered elections i believe that he plans to install himself uh, in some kind of emergency way uh, to continue to hold on to office. And that's why the American people had better wake up. I know a little bit about history, and I know how countries find their demise. It is when we fail to let democracy, and the fundamentals of which is a fair, unfettered election. And that's why he's trying to put a cloud over this election, floating the idea of postponing the elections. He does not. And I saw what Steve Miller, uh, within the last few hours, uh, that is some of the worst stuff I've ever heard in my life. This is not a perfect democracy, but it's better than any other that it exists. And I really feel uh, that the fundamentals are being frayed. And if we are not careful, this country uh, will be lost uh, for our next uh, generation, our children, and our grandchildren.
5: Mr. Clymer, before He's got the military. He's got the secretary of state. He's got compliant Republicans. Hopefully they can be persuaded. But remember, elections are run by the states and governors and secretaries of state in every single state right now should be doing one of these tabletop exercises to game out the worst case scenarios. What if Trump foments right wing provocateurs and then sends out the military to put out the fire he created? What if he seizes? The ballot boxes. What's the strategy to de-escalate protests? What do state elections officials do now to give the public the assurance that vote by mail is safe and doesn't inspire fraud? What do state elections officials do now if he defunds the post office, for example? So those things have to be happening right now at the state level.
24: It is, I think... We should say it's remarkable. We're discussing this in America in 2020. I just it, it's it is truly remarkable. So Governor Granholm brought up the idea of using the military. Now, we saw with protests following George Floyd, the president tried to use active military. The Pentagon refused, but the president, in effect, got what he wanted. He searched around, found a pliant member of the executive branch and the DHS acting secretary and then deployed military like uh, forces in portland and threaten to do so elsewhere I, I imagine a question here is this there are the dramatic moves the president saying i'm not going to accept uh the election not leaving the white house uh but there there are moves short of that right that the president can do with federal power to have a great effect to deploy such forces to discourage the vote in, in certain places where he thinks he's losing right or close polling places in places where he thinks he's losing
13: Your book enumerates so much of what we've seen, uh, and I I should hasten to add, before we saw it, buildings with the leader's name on them, military parades, and on and on. It also enumerates the site we have now uh, uh, seen in Portland, Oregon, militarized, all but anonymous, camouflaged federal agents, in quotes, Uh, When they first went to work grabbing people into unmarked vehicles, I know that got your attention.
26: Yeah. I mean, the question is, does the land of the free need a KGB? I would say the answer is, is no. The United States of America does not need a secret police. We do not need a police force which appears without insignia, which doesn't identify itself, and which pulls random people off the street. That's the nightmare of an authoritarian or a totalitarian state. That's a line that we should not be crossing. We should also be concerned about where this comes from, History tells us that the people, the men, who staff these kinds of organizations are very often people with experience in lawless zones. That means concentration camps or places like our detention centers. It tells us that they are very often people who have experience uh, defending a border or working at a border, which again is the case here. And another thing which is concerning is that all of this is taking place not on the basis of a law. But on the basis of a conspiracy theory. The president mouths dangerous words like anarchists and so on and terrorists. That's all a conspiracy theory. Nothing like that is actually happening in the United States. So these are all historical reasons to be very concerned. This is why in the book I said be wary of paramilitaries and also... Be reflective if you must be armed. Um, These are things that we should be keeping in mind. We of course can see the dangers of this. We can still talk about it and we can still stop it and we should do the right thing before it's too late. But
23: first, an election mess in the making with three months before ballots will be counted. Picture all of us Americans in a car together. President Trump is the driver and he is trying to drive us off the road. He is trying to crash the car. In this analogy, the car is our democracy. It is old. It's got a lot of miles on it, but it's still running strong. It's been well maintained. It stays humming along. It stays on the road through voting, through elections. But the driver, ever since 2016, I don't know, either he wants to go off-roading or he wants the car all to himself or he doesn't know where he's going. Something's going on with the driver. He's trying to crash the car, but all of us, are along for the ride because we are witnessing creeping authoritarianism in America. The New York Times called it Trump's campaign to undercut democracy and you can say it was just a tweet and you can say he was just kidding. It is still creeping authoritarianism, even if the guy is joking. Of course, the good news this week is the Republicans did immediately challenge Trump's musing about delaying the election. And more good news, news outlets did a really good job of truth squatting right away, immediately pointing out in the headlines that Trump didn't have the authority to delay anything anyway. But it's August 2nd. The election is November 3rd. There's going to be three more months of this, three more months of the lies, three more months of the sowing doubt, of the delegitimizing the election. Three more months of this. And the president still has the keys. He is still behind the wheel. His words still have power. Our second and most important narrative we've had.
4: Democrats want Joe in the basement. This is from Weasel Zipper. Check out the thread of liberal opinion writers who are dead afraid to see Biden debate Trump. Articles by WAPO, MSM, three New York Times, two CNN. Mark Hemingway, who saw this coming? New York Times, let's scrap the presidential debate. Another one, the debates have never made sense as a test for presidential leadership rights, blah, blah, blah. In fact, one could argue that they reward precisely the opposite of we want to be president because Trump did so well. Even though you ended every debate saying that Hillary won and he's a douche, Brian Seltzer comes in the fray. It is mostly a right wing media tempest fueled by hour after hour of Fox commentary, not reporting, far removed from campaign reality. Guy Benson, this Biden shouldn't debate boomlet is just a media tempest, right, Brian? Guy Benson, via Reagan battalions, it seems as though this notion wasn't invented out of whole cloth by cons. It's an idea that's floated by left leaning figures. There's every website I every fucking liberal website you can talk about has printed an article. Brian Seltzer. I'm well aware, but it's a mistake to spend lots of precious time yakking about the lefty columnists or suggesting in this case. Obviously, Biden will debate. Why imply otherwise to viewers, hour after hour? Rita Panana, if you're well aware, then why did you first tweet claim that it was mostly a right-wing media? Guy Benson, again, I guess the debate is whether there are trial balloons. I tend to agree that debates will happen as planned, but it's an odd, volatile cycle. Also, it's not unusual to see some in the media spend lots of time discussing, covering what opinion makers at other outlets are saying, dot, dot, dot. You made a whole career. Here's just one soundbite, folks. This could be 30 minutes of this podcast on why we shouldn't have debates.
27: We're just 59 days away from the first presidential debate between President Donald Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden, but for weeks some political experts have been raising the question would Biden be better off skipping the debates. Former Clinton White House Press Secretary Joe Lockhart wrote an op-ed for cnn.com titled Joe Biden could still lose this election, and as I read it I was struck by this provocative paragraph, quote, whatever you do, don't debate Trump Trump has now made more than 20,000 misleading or false statements, according to The Washington Post. It's a fool's errand to enter the ring with someone who can't follow the rules or the truth. Biden will undoubtedly take heat from Republicans and the media for skipping the debates. But it's worth the risk as trying to debate someone incapable of telling the truth is an impossible contest. To win. Joining me now to discuss his piece is CNN political analyst Joe Lockhart. Joe, if the president is watching this right now, I, I could see him rubbing his hands together and saying, oh, my God, that would be perfect. Because then I, of course, get to say he's afraid to get on the stage with me. It has to do with his cognitive abilities.
25: Yeah, well, he will say that. And, and I think, uh, as I wrote in the article, it's worth the risk. Um, you know, he's, this is a president who, as I said in the article, is incapable of telling the truth. He spins these conspiracy uh, theories out there. And up till now, most of those theories are uh, broadcast by Fox News and, you know, on his Twitter feed. And, you know, most Americans don't see that. The debates are very different. This is the one thing, you know, now that we're not really going to have conventions, where the public will tune in, you know, uh, you know 50, 60 million people. And they will they will see all of this nonsense from him. He will take the truth and and destroy it. And, And Biden will be in the position of correcting him over and over and over again. I don't think he should give him that platform.
27: If you were contacted by the former vice president's campaign staff, hey, Joe, we read your piece and we're really intrigued. How do we execute this? What would you say?
25: Well, I'd, I'd, I'd say, you know, look at, look at what I wrote. Um, it's not really a debate if only one side is willing to tell the truth. Uh, and we saw in the debates in 2016, Hillary Clinton showed a mastery of the issues. I think she, on every point, uh, was more honest and bested Trump. But Trump came out of the debates, I think, doing better because he just kept repeating the same old lies. We're going to build a wall and Mexico's going to pay for it. We're going to keep all of those Mexican rapists out of the country. We're going to make great trade deals. None of these things have come to pass. Uh, And giving him that sort of national forum to continue to spout, you know, to get to 21,000 or 22,000 lies, I think just isn't worth it for for the Democrats or, or for Biden. It has nothing to do
4: with conservatives. It has to do with the fact that every time they gets on, the dude gets on a mic, he fucks up, man. Homie fucks up. He says random shit. Uh, every website I've seen has done something other than the left. They're just saying he's the best thing ever. But there's a reason why he's not doing press interviews or sprays or whatever they want to call. And then, of course, there was the other narrative this week. Everybody on the right's a confederate. Clinton's awesome, awesome, and Obama was the man. Even so much that they got pissed off. The people were criticizing. Obama was the man, which we'll play in our short woke segment. So as we go out to a music break, we're going to play that soundbite in our listening assignment, boys and girls. Let's go up here to stuff that I'm not going to use today. Um, yeah, we're going to play. We're going to play the AOC one. Every statue in the Capitol is
5: racist. Blistering ads targeting President Trump, not by Democrats, but from a group of Republicans intent on taking down the leader of their party, many using the president's own words against him.
15: And again, when you have 15 people and the 15 within a couple of days is going to be down to close to zero, close to zero, close to zero.
28: We pull no punches. Um, We don't tell people about Donald Trump. We illustrate why he is unfit for office.
5: It's called the Lincoln Project, and co-founder Reed Galen tells us many of the ads, which are running heavily on Fox News, are intended for an audience of one.
28: What we see strategically is that it throws him and his campaign off its game.
5: Former Bush administration officials are now piling on.
18: What do we have here? The, The greatest nation
5: in the world on its knees because of failed leadership. We can't have four more years of this. Galen is more blunt about his long term goal, wiping out Trumpism. I do
28: believe that a philosophically driven center right party is healthy for the United States. We do not
29: have that right now.
5: The Lincoln Project, now broadening their scope.
29: They chose Trump.
5: Targeting Republican senators who have sided with the president.
28: It's not about just Donald Trump, although he is the prime target. It is about all of those people. Who failed their oaths of office.
5: Oh, you'd be gutting your own party.
28: Well, it's not our party anymore.
5: Republican strategists targeting both President Trump and Republican senators up for re-election. How does Joe Biden's team view all this? Well, Martha, I think they certainly uh, welcome any help that they can get in this department. Uh, They are quick to point out that these groups, uh, especially the Lincoln Project and some of these others, are not just now anti-Trump groups, but have really become pro-Biden. And they see that as yet another problem for President Trump. I think what strikes me here, especially uh, in watching some of these ads, is that these groups are able to do what Joe Biden politically simply can't, right? Joe Biden is trying in many ways to maintain this squeaky clean image. And now you have these groups who are doing anything but. These ads are not subtle. They are brutal. They are hitting Trump where it hurts, trying to beat him at his own game. These are ads that Biden simply could not run. And the question, though, is whether they're just needling the president or are they actually going to sway voters?
22: Well, it's not a change when you consider his behavior as a real estate man. Everybody by now knows that the U.S. government had to sue the Trump Organization back in the 70s to get them to obey the bare minimum of the regulations for civil rights laws and for renting to minorities. And this isn't really a a reference to uh, income levels. Uh, They made that same argument back then, too. And it's really a racial uh, dog whistle or trumpet blare. Well, the most remarkable discovery I think I made was this now 42-year-old videotape of a very young Hillary Clinton who was the wife of the new attorney general. And she was interviewed, and the entire interview on television was about the fact that she was a woman who called herself Hillary Rodham and was from the East and had a great education, and, well, people in the heartland aren't going to accept you. Uh, She spent the first five or ten years of her life in this strange position where people were talking more about her hair and clothes and makeup than they were about her as a person or about her husband's policies. So it's a remarkable thing to see this first really um, prominent female candidate for president emerge from all of this terrible criticism and constant uh, badgering. And you learn, you know, what it is like to come from a minority, you know, women are a minority in terms of power in our country, and to have to carry the weight of all these expectations and criticism through life.
20: Donald Trump is terrified. And he has good reason to be. Today, the person who triggers him more than any human being on Earth, former President of the United States, Barack Hussein Obama, gave a powerful eulogy for the late and great Georgia Congressman and civil rights icon, John Lewis. And in doing so, Obama delivered a treatise on American democracy, a rousing call to arms that could herald a blue wave this November. Trump was So triggered by the reemergence of the popular, globally respected 44th president on the national stage, the Batman to his Joker, that he barely let Obama get to the pulpit at Atlanta's Ebenezer Baptist Church before he scrambled to the White House press corps, scrambled the White House press corps to announce that he too would have words to say. Trump had good reason to fear for his political future even before Obama began speaking. Data out today re- revealed that the country's GDP dropped by a staggering 33%, marking the biggest economic contraction on record since those records began in 1947. The coronavirus still rages out of control, including in the very states that Trump needs to win reelection. And then you've got the made-for-TV federal invasion of Democratic cities. And I think
7: President Obama, in his eulogy, I did it in in a uh, very meticulous way, the continuity of struggle. When I saw George Bush there, I remember when George Bush re-signed the Voting Rights Act. He not only re-signed it, he invited many of us, I was there, that had been marching Mm. on him. Because it was always this Mm -hmm. spirit of we can disagree but we don't have to be ugly. We've not seen this kind of venom and ugliness in my lifetime until now.
0: And my question for you is, what do we look like? to the leaders of foreign governments.
7: If you look at
25: esteem for uh, the U.S. around the world, I mean, we're at low points that, um, you know, we haven't been at probably um, in, since the end of uh, end of World War II. And I think the people are looking at the way Trump has handled the coronavirus and, and thinking, you know what, you know, maybe I don't always like, you know, the, the, the Americans kind of interfering in our, elections or 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 talking about democracy but we've always thought they were competent well now we've exploded the image of our own competency where people around the world look at at the united states and think this is a goddamn s show but these people don't even know how to run a two-car funeral
0: and now you know why Rick Stengel was coveted at the highest levels of government because he spoke in Brutal truths a goddamn S show. I love it, Rick Stengel. Thank you for spending some Sorry time with yeah. us.
14: Poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away.
30: Trump is taking a page straight out of George Wallace's playbook, using barely-coded language to promise white suburban voters that he'll protect their neighborhoods from integration joining data from catalyst suburban non-white voters 13% they're 13% share of the electorate urban non-white voters are just 9% so this notion that the suburbs are the haven of white people is so old So not true. Let's be very clear, this is a dog whistle. It's not meant to act at the level
18: of literal communication. It's supposed to invoke an image, which Suburban still does. Mm -hmm. And what he's doing is he's putting himself in a long line of Republicans who have used white fear and resentment of black people to get the majority of white people to vote for Republicans for president, which has happened every single time since Lyndon Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act.
6: right? I don't think it's effective anymore because we know that suburbs are very diverse. Uh, there are rare things. It's all white suburbs ringing. Um, are-
4: That's a beautiful segment trying to set up a narrative and it just falls the fucking part. We have a large soundbite to play, and this comes from MRC. Top 13, virus is winning, time to end dictator Trump's reign of terror. And it goes like this. 13, Trump will declare martial law to stay in power. How many times have you heard that on CNN, MSN, and DNC? CNN throws tantrum about Trump's childlike behavior. 11, tear down, tear system down the designed to keep poor brown people sick. That comes from Cuomo. Who's getting sick more? Poor Brown. Who's dying more? Poor Brown. Ten, CNN crows the virus is winning. Nine, conservative Biden is Trump's nightmare candidate. Eight, Trump appealing to his clan like base. <laughs> That's fucking Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, seven, constitutional vandal Trump sends in his stormtroopers. That was Brian Williams. Six, Trump's secret police kidnapping peaceful people. Five, does Joy Reid. Dangerous to democracy. Beat the hell out of it. That was Joy Behar. Uh, four, dictator Trump fascism is the end of democracy. Three, who will stop Trump from killing small business and people? Two, vote to end Trump's reign of terror. And the number one, Donald dictatorship is coming and it's Joy Reid. Enjoy it, seeing about 20 damn minutes of pain.
20: But as he shirks responsibility for the very real health crisis, he's deploying a federal police force to combat a fictional one. Trump sent his federal police force, kitted out in camo gear as as if they're a mini army, to Portland, Oregon, to suppress protesters demonstrating against racial injustice, acting against the will of the governor and the mayor. Trump's forces are snatching people off the streets, forcing them into unmarked vans, reportedly without explanation. And now Trump is sending, threatening to send those same dystopian federal police to even more American cities. Now just for reference, here are some of the protests that we've seen in Portland. A peaceful group of moms gathered to demonstrate. But Trump would have you believe that America's cities are criminal wastelands. And he's using that trumped up charge To justify what in any other country, particularly an authoritarian one, would be called the secret police, responsive only to the dear leader. There's two pieces of this that are ominous. There's the secret police aspect of it, these sort of unmarked, you know, militaristic looking forces that are essentially kidnapping people and holding them without any, you know, not even talking to the local officials and just doing it over their will. These forces that we're seeing deployed into the streets of America's cities.
30: This epidemic
22: is dramatically accelerating. Now the deaths are coming. We passed four
26: million confirmed COVID-19 cases across this country.
22: Districts may
15: need to delay reopening for a few weeks. That'll be up to governors.
26: We don't have a
10: national strategy. Now we're just saying to all the schools, figure it out on your own.
0: The president went from moving the convention in North Carolina, then he's canceling the one in Florida. It wasn't that long ago that the president was
31: holding rallies. He has been told that his opponent in this election The virus,
18: and it was very clear that he sees that the virus is winning.
28: And this morning, the virus is winning. More than 1,000 deaths reported for the third day in a row. Total coronavirus cases now more than 4 million and growing fast. Hospitalizations just about at an all time high. The virus is winning, and now the president is in full retreat. In retreat, from his own decisions, actions and rhetoric that gave the virus an edge. He abruptly canceled his Florida acceptance speech for the Republican convention, a speech that he had moved to Florida because North Carolina would not let him do it in a full unmasked stadium. It was a president who demanded an indoor rally in Tulsa last month, despite pleas from health officials and staff members getting infected. It was the president who mocked masks and refused to wear one for months before a reversal this week. Though, he still did not wear a mask last night, posing with Little Leaguers at the White House. Hmm.
20: Well, the president's actions finally revealed that the virus is not under control in the United States. It's not going to simply disappear, as he had claimed. This is something most of the American public has known for a long time.
32: And all you had to do was look at the president... Confused, rattled, angry, very rattled. ignorant. When he said back in January, only one person was, was had it from China, and soon they were going to be gone. Then the, in February, he said it was fifteen people who had it. Fifteen in the whole the United States, and soon. It would be gone in March. Said it was going to go away magically by April because it was going to be warm. Says that the United States is the envy of the world. We're a basket case. We're a laughing stock. We can't even go to Europe. We can't go to Canada. We can't go to the Bahamas. The Bahamian government this weekend said. Bahamian government this weekend said. Americans, stay away, because you're such a basket case. I'm serious. Like, it, it, does he just think his supporters are so stupid that he can keep insulting them every day? Stop testing. Let's fly blind. Let's send people into small businesses and into restaurants who are sick. That will make them shut down again. Giving up on this president because he he, he continues to do things that not only kills undercuts the economy not only undercuts their re-election campaign, but could kill small businesses and kill people. How do we uh, make sure that the 240-year uh, history That's right. of peaceful transition of power uh, continues in this country? I think the best and brightest minds in government and out of government now have to start using their imagination. Now... Have to start thinking outside the box. Now have to start preparing for something that we haven't had to prepare for. And that is how does our government? How does our military? How does the secret service? How do, how quickly do the courts respond to a sitting president who's defeated at the ballot box? and refuses to leave
0: he has been practicing to push through stop signs every step of the way at some point our democracy i don't think it's overstated is at stake do you disagree
32: all i'm saying is and, and uh, I think congressman lewis would 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 echo it uh... in that wonderful voice where he always spoke with a kind of biblical shout <laughs> he was a little guy but his voice was so strong If you want to end this reign of terror, this reign of error in terms of COVID, you've got to vote. And the idea that somehow or another, because you think one thinks that Trump is an idiot or he's, uh, you know, he's he's a racist, whatever you might think, one might think, it's not going to matter if what happened in 2016 happens again.
18: Yeah. And I just want to make the point that this president won the presidency in terms of the Electoral College, but he did not get the popular vote. So that is a point to be made. And also, John, when you said that we're crazy if we think that this is uh, the 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 end of this election, we're looking at these polls today. Let me just show you something I saw on Axios today. It says it was a, a tweet. Now may be a good time to remember that a Gallup poll, general election poll, released July 26, 1988 gave Michael Dukakis a 17-point lead over George H.W. Bush, the Republican nominee. In November, Bush won 426 electoral votes and carried 40 states. So you're right, 100 days. That's an awful long time to go. Uh, Michael, I'm going to give you the last word here as you button all of this up and what we have to look forward to these next 100 days.
33: I have two things I want to say very quickly. One, if you're not listening to what uh, my good friend John Meacham just said, uh, you're going to miss this election. You're going to miss the next 100 days. How he just framed this moment is exactly what we're in. This is is the, the culmination of 64 and 68 manifest in 2020. Number two, yes, demographics change, but attitudes don't attitudes are nurtured. They're formed. They're inculcated in future voters. So while the numbers say, yes, Biden's up by 11, 7, 12, he can be up by 20. He could be down by 400 electoral college votes (laughs) come November. Hmm. So there's a lot of a lot of work that people have to do. Democrats have to get their head out of the sand about this election. Listen to what Meacham just said, because he just framed it for you. Now figure out how you're going to go into this November to get that vote turned out so that the Electoral College numbers, along with the popular vote, align in such a way that your candidate wins.
9: Two days ago, the guy in the White House said in an interview that white people are killed by the police more than anyone else and flying the confederate flag is freedom of speech uh i'll just turn it over
20: to you
6: yeah thank you whoopi i'm I'm so tired of this uh Yeah. yeah I'm so tired of this president spitting in our face and trying to convince us it's raining. That is clear BS, and anybody with any ounce of historical perspective would know that. When I think of the families of Tamir Rice, of Trayvon Martin, of Philando Castile, of Terrence Crutcher, of Ahmaud Arbery, of Richard Brooks, of George Floyd, of Breonna Taylor, of Sandra Bland, and on and on and on, and I think of the, the horrific brutality that black people have suffered at the hands of law enforcement, I wonder what would possess a president to say something like that, and it's really because he's tossing red meat to his uh, clan-like base that he needs so desperately to win uh, in November. And I think even posing the question, right, were he a reader, I would encourage him to buy a copy of my book because I write about how law enforcement swelled their ranks through white supremacy at the early part of last century. And so when you look at it through a historical perspective, asking the question can feel disrespectful because we know that there is systemic racism in, in, in law enforcement. So I wouldn't debate that issue any more than I would debate a fool on if lemons are yellow. We know that. Answer the question is, what do you plan to do about it? And he's consistently answered that by saying
21: nothing. We got to do better than this, Uh, and we see it in the pandemic also. Who's getting sick more? Poor brown. Who's dying more? Poor brown. Who has to work more? Poor brown. It's part of social justice. How do you take it on?
29: I think we really have to be honest about the fact that the people who are getting sick the most the poor black folks, as you're saying, the poor brown folks, as you're saying, the poor indigenous folks. The system is designed to make sure they get sick because we're on the bottom. I mean, the system is built on top of us, as we talk about in the episode. This is how the system is designed to work, and so we have to really invest in tearing the system down and starting over.
30: indeed you know he's always talking about black and brown people as kind of like infestations uh... people who threaten to 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 undermine the very fabric of america that us and them kind of language and Willie, you know as you said in the last hour this is explicit as you just said now this is explicit and you know americans have to face this that we have to make a choice there's a sense in which donald trump doesn't give a damn about american democracy he only cares about donald trump And therein lies the threat. Therein lies the danger that we have this narcissist, this selfish person who's greedy, who's running the country. And he's the avatar for a kind of selfishness that we're seeing across the country with regards to mask, Mika. Liberty is now a word, a synonym for selfishness and self-interest liberty trumps national sacrifice liberty right is in this moment in donald trump's hands a bludgeon a tool to really beat the hell out of democracy i am just i'm overwhelmed by this this morning uh... to hear it to see it uh... and in some way I'm, the, I'm witnessing fascism
18: in America now. I don't know if people in this country are aware of what's actually going on. I was talking to one of my cousins the other day. She's not a right-winger. She's not even a Republican. She's a Democrat. She did not know about what was happening in Portland. People need to pay yeah. attention. This is the beginning of the end of democracy. If we re-elect this guy... I don't even want to think about what will happen to this country. This is not America. This is not American. We really, we have to
5: pay attention because we are going down this slippery slope and and we we have really um, the
20: actions of a dictator. We've seen other sort of riots break out. We've seen them bust out troops. But this is different, this feels different. This, this feels different. like
9: a planned attack against the American people. And it's very yeah. specific and it's very targeted. So people need to pay attention to what's happening.
18: Do you, do you know what this reminds me of? Back in the day when, those, when the militia, whatever they were, Killed that kid at Kent. Those children at Kent State. When our government yes. is actually killing American citizens' children, they were college kids. It's the same. We yeah. were horrified then. We're horrified now. Yes. They
0: this Nixon had to go, and this president has to go. So they will turn away from him, which again shows this Rose Garden debacle. This completely inappropriate act. Uh, you know completely defying tradition on every level, total abuse of power, using the Rose Garden as a campaign event because you can't have your pitiful little rallies because people won't come. So you have a captive audience of reporters and cameras and you use it for politics i we'll say over and over
17: again not a perfect candidate has his flaws has his weaknesses as all of us do but the president's incredibly frustrated in that he cannot find an effective frame for joe biden this is like the nightmare candidate for him another septuagenarian relatively culturally moderate conservative even white guy that is not what donald trump wanted to run against and he is yet to we're now in july and the president does not know how to make the case against joe biden and that was vividly on display yesterday in the rose garden they're trying to put
2: Joe Biden in the same category with members of Congress who are progressive men and women that they've been using now for a couple of years. It, the label doesn't fit. Donald Trump knows that on Joe Biden, that he's a wild leftist, that he's a tool of the radical left. So instead, you get what we saw yesterday, which is this kind of hodgepodge, this mashup of incoherent attacks on joe biden and not really a frame that he can use.
13: and steve schmidt because of your quotes on this topic i'm going to begin with you overseas if we saw these pictures we'd call it something like a a military junta under a mussolini or a pinochet we would make nothing of it it would just be a wednesday um, however you've called these men and women jackbooted thugs you've called them stormtroopers Here's the question, is this the the caravan of this election cycle? This, coupled with the law and order message, coupled with Meadows and Pence and Trump, all saying some version of, here will be your country under Biden, you are not safe, you're not gonna be safe in the suburbs. It, does that justify, in their minds, camouflaged, without name markings or identification, some unit badging, camouflaged, militarized federal troops.
29: Brian, good evening. The President of the United States is a constitutional vandal and a political arsonist. His campaign is failing. He's on track to lose to Vice President Biden, and he has loosed violence in American cities at an epic level. Um, What we're seeing is illiberal. It is illegal and it is dangerous. When you see these men dressed in those uniforms, it's hard to believe that we're looking at scenes from the United States of America in 2020. This is all very real. The caravan was pretend, it was made up. It was a fiction deployed on Fox News and on right wing, uh, state Trump media, whatever you prefer to call it, Uh, but it was imaginary this is very real the violence is real the broken bones are real the injuries are real um and i think it's important that when donald trump loses this election um one of the things that president biden should do immediately is is we should never ever again see in this country uh federal officers of any type wearing camouflage uniforms like that this militarized presence is not something that you see in a healthy democracy. These men are causing chaos in these cities. Um at the end when you see assaults being made on federal buildings, on a federal courthouse, vandalism, it'd be totally appropriate for federal officers for marshals to be deployed in a perimeter around the building to secure federal property. But they're there looking for a fight, looking for a brawl. These men as has been reported, have no training for the mission. This is thuggery, it's federal thuggery, and it's frightening. Ronald Reagan said that freedom is only one generation away ever from being extinguished. And this should scare the hell out of every American.
20: Um, I'm almost afraid to ask you what you think is going to happen from here because Donald Trump is in trouble in the polls. He's struggling uh, to beat Joe Biden in any polls that I've seen so far. And, you know, typically if somebody is an autocrat and has that tendency, don't they get more dangerous the more cornered they are? And, And what do you predict going forward?
30: I think it was our, our colleague, Clint Watts, who may have said that uh, the, the most dangerous period in American history might be from November 4th until January 21st, 2021. Who knows what a cornered autocrat will do? And for Donald Trump, I think this is his moment where he is going to change American history by fundamentally changing the United States into the-
17: He's setting precedents now, and I think Mika was exactly right this morning when she raised the proper concerns, and, and the Wyden quote to me crystallizes it. This is what would happen if you were a, an authoritarian president who was preparing to, to resist a loss in the election. You would be saying the things Donald Trump is saying, and you would be gradually rolling out federal police power into the states against the the, the wishes of the mayors and governors in question. This is how it would happen. This is how the movie would play out. And anybody who's not looking at this with a state of alarm and concern and worried about, Is this president going to to, to employ formally martial law at some point, as Ron Wyden suggested yesterday? Is that on the president's mind? Is there anybody, having watched Donald Trump for the last three and a half years, who doesn't think that Donald Trump would try to employ martial law if he thought it was the only way he could stay in power? I ask you, Joe, is there anybody Mm -hmm. who's sensible who comes on this show who doesn't think that that's possible? Yeah, I
32: I, I think really even... Donald Trump's allies understand that he will do whatever it takes to stay in power.
4: I mean, the narrative has been flowing since November of 2016, folks. They will go wherever Trump won't go. If he says A, they're going to say B. So bad that everybody on the planet knows TikTok collects your data. Norton tells me not even to download the thing. My sister loves it, and she has every right. I mean, if people want to use it, they can. Who gives a shit? Sorry, my tongue is so dry. 20 years we've had a dehumidifier down here. And on a whim, my son had bought one, and he said he had a pump. And back when I bought him, he didn't have pumps. So I had to come and dump the bucket all the time, and I would forget with this new computer. I'm trying to take care of everything. So I'm sitting here, and I decided, well, I'm going to go buy one. And this thing is so accurate. It's so dry in here. It's like the upstairs. And... It pumps it out by itself, which makes it so much better. And I know you can always use them and let it trickle out, but you're just going to trickle what fills. So it'll always stay with water in it, which is kind of, produ- you know, counterproductive. So with this new one, when it fills, it shuts off, the pump kicks in, I ran it through a wall and it goes right into our laundry, shoot and boom. I don't have to worry about it. And now we're sitting in a crispy 45% humidity, which is very comfortable. Um, But anyway, that's why I'm drinking more. But everybody knows this. TikTok's a bad app. Norton doesn't want you to do it. It's not safe. It collects a lot of data. Here's Slate, which is one of many. I'm just picking Slate. TikTok is China's most significant cultural export. TikTok could have been China's Nintendo Instead of a soft power win for Beijing, the blockbuster app has become a lightning rod for super conflict. Joshua Keeney reports on how Japan softened its image with products like Nintendo. China was doing it too. Trick truck truly is a cultural behemoth, the seventh most downloaded app of the decade, and increasingly, where new trends of pop music, fashion, and comedy emerge with the zeitgeist. So why isn't the fact that millions of young people around the world are glued to a Chinese app more of a benefit for China? Because communist China is a human rights nightmare, maybe, but they didn't say that, or that it's a malware. They didn't say that. They only said anything because Trump's against it. And really it wasn't Trump. It was national security. That's all it was. But they'll go with that because Trump's against it. We're for it. And then you get stories like this. Most of the sound bites you heard were CNN or MSDNC. MSDNC producer quits this cancer-stokes national division. Facts too cumbersome. For audience, a former MSDNC producer wrote an open letter on Monday explaining why she left the far-left network a little over a week ago, saying that there are they are cancer, that it's stoking national division by amplifying fringe voices and forcing journalists to make bad decisions on a daily basis. The letter was written by Arian Picari, who Fox News noted described herself as an integral member of Lawrence O'Donnell show. Bakari begins her letter by sharing quotes of what people said to her over the last couple of years. She pondered leaving the network due to the detrimental effect that it's having on society. July 24th was the last day of MSNBC. I don't know what I'm going to do exactly, but I simply couldn't stay there anymore. My colleagues are very smart people with good intentions. The problem is the job itself. It forces skilled journalists to make bad decisions on a daily basis. Bakari said that at MSNBC it was prat- practically baked into the editorial process the decisions on what and who gives coverage to were based on what would generate the most ratings for the network she said that behind closed doors industry leaders will admit the damage that's being done a high profile tv veteran portly told her we are a cancer And there is no cure, but if you could find a cure, it would change the world. As it is, this cancer stokes national division. Even in the middle of a civil rights crisis, Picari said, the model blocks diversity of thought and content because the networks have incentive to amplify fringe voices and events at the expense of others. All because it pumps up the ratings. Context and factual data are often considered too cumbersome for the audience. There may be some truth to that our education system really should improve the critical thinking skills of Americans. But another hard truth is that it is the job of journalists to teach and inform, which means they might need to figure out a a better way to do that. They could contemplate more creative methods for captivating an audience. Just about anything would improve the current process, which can be pretty rudimentary, thinking bases today content on whatever rated well yesterday or look to see what's trending online. McCoy said that she had heard colleagues deny the role as journalists, and claim that senior producers told her, our viewers don't really consider us the news. They come to us for comfort. Through this pandemic and the surreal alienated lockdown, I've witnessed many people questioning their lives and what they're doing with their time on the planet. I reckon I'm one of those people looking for greater meaning and truth as much as I love my life in New York City and really don't want to leave I feel fortunate to be able to return to Virginia in the near term to reconnect with family I'm both nervous and excited about the change thanks to COVID-19 I'm learning to live with uncertainty more than ever I'm craving a full and civil discourse full and civil discourse which you're not going to get on DNC, And what does it say? They know what they're doing is bad. They know that their complete setup is horseshit. But they're not going to change. They're just never going to change. So to our quick woke section. I had to do some COVID because how could you not?
14: Turn it up, turn it on Rockin' like we're bad to the bone Get on the floor, runnin' loose Gotta put these two left feet to use If you need an education in the part of scene If you think you can dance with a man This ain't no joke Turn it up,
13: let's get a walk
5: I just have to ask you before we go, the House Speaker on another network just said that she does not have confidence in either the President or you, Dr. Birx. Do you want to respond? I have tremendous respect for the
34: Speaker, Um, and I have tremendous respect for her long dedication to the American people, and I think... Um, It was unfortunate that New York Times wrote this article without speaking to me. I could have brought forth the data. I provide data every single day with an analysis. The day that they're talking about that I was, quote, Pollyannish, it said there was improvement in the New York metro, but ongoing cases in Boston and Chicago, a new outbreak in Houston in full logarithmic spread, and new concerning outbreaks in Baltimore, New Haven, and and, um, Washington, D.C., This was not a Pollyannish view. I have never been called Pollyannish or non-scientific or non-data driven. And I will stake my 40-year career on those fundamental principles of utilizing data to really implement better programs to save more lives.
31: I mean, I think this speaks to what one of the Toughest conversations about what is smart and what is not as smart, uh, when you're talking about protests and you're talking about church going. Those really seem to be difficult. Of course, protests are outside and going to church is inside. They're both protected. But just explain the difference in risks as you see it and things that also mitigate risks for both of these activities. Uh, it is
6: not surprising that this was partisan. But the Jim Jordan questioning and some of the other Republicans questioning of Dr. Fauci and the other public health officials uh, seem to really, really show just how bad things are in the midst of this pandemic. When they have not approved any agreement on emergency aid, which is expiring tonight, emergency unemployment comp. We'll get to that a bit later in the program. And here they are fighting over protests versus church.
4: I had to do this segment because... There's really no way I couldn't. I'm a guy that literally drives big vehicles. But somehow, someway, this douchebag at the Wall Street Journal, yeah, this, this is the angle he went with. Real journalist, trademark, sounds alarm over America's stocking up on another weapon of war deliberately designed to intimidate... And kill. It's not just gun sales that are up during the summer peaceful protests. America's are getting their hands on another dangerous weapon of war. The weak national correspondent Ryan Cooper has the scoop. Ryan Cooper. Sales of mega pickups. Which have basically been deliberately designed to intimidate and kill pedestrians. Are booming. Pickup trucks are getting huge. Got a problem with that? America's hardest working status symbol. Pickups are exploding in size. And eating up roadways dan neal questions these behemoth styling and safety ryan cooper the trend of six-foot grills that create massive blind spots and pull people under to be crushed when they are hit is a hundred percent a marketing gimmick i thought brush guards were for brush i mean that's what my jeep bumper's for I couldn't get the article because it's pay only, but here's an excerpt. Which brings us to the 2020 Silverado HD 10-inch longer, 1.8-inch wider, and 1.6 inches taller than the previous model. The big Chevy's challenging kisser can comp- compromise a thick knee-high bumper, a central grille opening, several sets of lighting assemblies, a full-width transverse element helping inform with the message Chevrolet, and then above that, between very square corner, is a whole other layer, then a peaked hood with a central inlet. This hood line meets the base of the windshield about 6 inches above the side windows, sill. Another cause of facial swelling. Marketing? Full-size pickups are generally identical to profile, Mr. Schumer said. The face of these trucks is where the action is. A Ford has to say Ford from the head-on, and Chevy must say Chevy. Every pickup has become a rolling brand billboard, and the billboards are big. You don't have to be a Steven Pinker to see that truck designers are leaning into the bully with these lantern-jawed bumpers and walls of chrome. Detroit blithed the codification of purposefulness and powerful truck design fall to describe the intimidation factor. From the outside, intimidated by a truck. <laughs> Continuing on, it's not clear how long pickup designs could keep getting their chrome on. In 2018, the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety released a steady exam a study examining the connection between SUV designs and pedestrian fatalities. In a separate study released in June... HHS found fatal single-vehicle crashes involving SUVs striking pedestrian increased 81% for 2009-2016. While HHS studied SUVs and not pickups, the key is the geometry of the front end. The high and flat shapes, said Becky Mueller, a senior research engineer in HHS. It's like hitting a wall. XL pickups, high-rising hoods also create significant blind spots just ahead of the vehicle. I know because apparently I was in one of them. While truck makers like Ford offer automatic emergency braking and pedestrian detection systems as standard equipment on most trims and Ford view cameras as an option, such systems are not mandatory as they would be in Europe. Well, they all drive pussy cars. A marketing gimmick. Nailed it, Ryan. 100%. We need common sense mega pickup reform. We can't allow salt trucks on our
8: streets.
14: <laughs>
4: Don't cyberstock me, says. It's entirely possible to spec a Ford F-250 in such a way that you need a class A CDL to tow with it. I work on a farm and I drive a VW Golf. It's mental how many people drive this shit around to like the bank and the grocery stores. Ryan Cooper. I think that's what gets me the most. Some people need trucks, but for others, it's just a luxury status symbol. No farmer needs chrome trim and Italian leather seats and shit. Yeah, farmers should just get around on bicycles or something. They can carry lumber and fertilizer in those little basket things. They don't need all the fancy shit. So this was the beginning of the article. America's hardest working status symbol. Pickups are exploding size size the year broadways. Dan Neal questions these behemoth styling. Dot, 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 and safety. A few months ago, on an ordinary day in an unremarkable Costco parking lot, I was nearly squashed by an unusually large pickup. Thank God I was wearing a mask as that chrome grill closed on me like a man-eating Norelco shaver. Time slowed. It seems I was watching myself from afar, being nimble for a man of my age, darting from the path of the towering limousine black pickup with temporary plates whose driver barely checked his pace. What a jerk replies wait what pickups are designed to kill pedestrians i learned something brand new today spoken like someone who's never known a blue-collar worker or done a hard day's worth of manual labor bless your heart the only thing i'm intimidated by in my garage full of equipment that i have now have room to haul a work in my big old mean pickup truck basically is doing more work here than an amish guy at a barn raising adam lawson They use the same bullshit argument about you don't need that from the gun debate, too. You don't need shiny chrome cosmetics, don't make a truck dangerous, or Italian leather seat the same. Need has nothing to do with it. Eric Spencer, who was the first person that cued me in on this story, deliberately designed to intimidate and kill pedestrians. How do you manage to tie your shoes without killing yourself? Really? Really? And in case you're wondering, they prompt for this is the guy suggests that F-150 is actually fulfillment of some weird rage fantasy among rural folks. You have proof of the murderous intent of these designs, say through internal memos or leaked results of crash tests, or are you just talking out of your fucking ass. Another person put the F-150 on the front of a fucking AR, because it's the same argument. And then... For Silly Spock, who I follow and I love this guy. I can think of so many better pedestrian control vehicles. A huge snowplow. Oh, you could fuck people up with that. Yeah. The physically distanced Tweedledee. Me, I need a truck for towing stuff and hauling things. Sales, how often do you intimidate and kill pedestrians? <laughs> Me, oh shit, I forgot. All the time. My last truck sucked at it, though. Sales, you're in luck. Take a look at our Smasher p- XLT. Me, excellent. Ryan Cooper, after he got ratioed to death. Hundreds of conservatives are doing their best to demonstrate that yes huge trucks are about postmodern culture war signaling and unsubtle Freudian neurosis Dana Loche so we've gone from blaming SUVs to blaming mega pickups. because remember they also blamed a luxury sedan for hitting people that shouldn't have been in a fucking highway. Stay alosh again. Relatedly, Mega sound like a new Transformers movie. Mega with fifty percent more explosion, directed by Michael Bay. Full disclosure: I have a Mega Truck. By progressive logic, I'm part of the Mega Truck lobby, directed by Michael Bay. I drive a Mega Truck because I like sitting trucker high on the highway, and also because I want people to be terrified of a woman driver plus giant truck. Sarcasm. Saving Ferris. Great Twitter, na- Twitter name. This is my Ram 2500 Assault Truck. I paid extra to get the Pedestrian Slayer Grill. <laughs> Stonewall. I need a truck with the highest towing capacity for a boat, not over 50000 I also had a spring for the towing rear view mirrors. Any intel on the additionally effective of the towing mirrors on mowing down rioters, since that was the primary primary purpose of my truck. And David Burge. That's why the Tesla truck will be a big success. Because the quiet electric motor makes it so much easier to sneak up on pedestrians.
17: Exactly.
4: You fucking, fucking douche nozzles. That was our key wokeness. But here are some, a few, just a few, to kind of like uh, tie up the show. ASU publishes black Male privilege Checklist. Yeah, this is some good shit. Arizona State University has published an official website checklist to address blackmail privilege. ASU Project Humanities Initiative facilitates critical conversation amongst diverse communities through talking, listening, and connecting by exploring shared ideas and experience. The initiative lists several initiatives, including one called Privilege and Bias. According to the university, the initiative hosted a two-hour workshop that explored everyday manifestations of privilege. The page lists several different events from 2014 and says the workshop has now evolved to Humanities 101 in a workplace lesson in privilege and bias. According to a separate page, Humanity 101 in the workplace speaks to workplace teens by analyzing and addressing systemic privilege and bias within communities, organizations, and businesses through the lens of race, class, gender, age, and all the other craziness, including empathy, except for conservatives. The page lists a list of diverse Audiences that have gone through the training including Benedictine University and a bunch of other liberal colleges. The initiative lives several checklists for various races, sexual orientations, genders, and socioeconomic statuses. Examples of black male privilege including the following. When I read African American history textbooks, I would learn mainly about black men I can rely on the fact that in the near 100-year history of national civil rights organizations such as the NAACP and Urban League, virtually all the executive directors have been male. I will take more seriously as a political leader than black women. I can be part of the black liberation organizations like Black Panther, where an out-rapist Eldridge Cleaver can assume. I have the ability to find black women beauty by European standards. I do not have to worry about the daily hassles of having my hair conforming to whiteness. I have the privilege of not wanting to be a virgin. I can live in a world where is still an option for men. I come from a traditional humor that is based largely on insulting and disrespecting women, including mothers. Most of the lyrics I listen to hip-hop perpetuate the idea of male-dominating women. I could believe that the success of a black family is dependent on returning men to their historical place. I have the privilege of believing the feminism and anti-black, and will make significantly more money as a professional athlete than members of the opposite sex. If I go to an HBCU, I will have incredible opportunities to exploit black women. In college, black male professors will be involved in interracial marriage at a higher rate than others, and that's horrible. I have the privilege of marrying outside the race and I have the privilege of knowing men who are physically or sexually abusive to women and yet I still call them friends. They're eating their own or they're getting stupid fucking stupid like this one. Professor and students demand full abolition of campus police, the BLM flag to be flown. Yeah. Okay. And then this one. Science Twitter explodes an allegation of racist and sexism over joke about worms. A Twitter joke about worms turned into a multi-day social justice education session. According to the Daily Beast, woke members of Science Twitter accused a flatworm detractor of perpetuating racism, sexism, and oppression in the scientific community. Late last month, the host of a popular zoology podcast, Jesus, that nobody listens to, just the zoo of us, asked scientists who work with living organisms to name the most overhyped animal. The post made the rounds of a loose community of researchers, zookeepers, and wilderness enthusiasts that make up science. Twitter, community's passion-awful manifest as a friendly smack talk. The Daily Beast reported that answers flowed in. Blue whales, lions, penguins, a grand time was had by all. That is until the next day when Dr. Michael Einstein, the editor of eLife, a research communication platform and online scientific journal, dared to attack roundworks. A remodel species that is subject of frequent scientific experiments. Experiments that have led to some considerable breakthroughs, although other species were fair game. Blasting the roundworm, it seemed, was a bridge too far. C. Elegans, the editor, noted on Twitter making the case for the roundworms as the most overrated animal. They wiggle forward, they wiggle backwards, and occasionally they fuck themselves. That's it. Initially, the post attracted just a few responses. A few people were critical of Dr. Einstein's use of profanity, and others tried to educate Dr. Einstein on the roundworm contribution to science. But after just 24 hours, things escalated markedly as worm community chimed in, accusing Dr. Eisen of not just normalizing anti-worm settlements, but of perpetuating oppression to marginalized people. A mystified observer raised the question over whether C. elegans researchers were taking the whole thing a bit seriously. A small handful of researchers responded by arguing that jokes about worms were in some ways equivalent to jokes about women and people of color. One particular researcher, Dr. Scop, who did not respond to requests for comment by the Daily Beast, argued extensively that making jokes about worms were merely a tip of the iceberg when it came to making jokes about marginalized identities, For example a bystander effect, a psychological theory arguing that individuals are less likely to offer help to a victim in a crowd. Scientists of color tried to point out about the two situations were in no way similar, that marginalized ethnic groups have suffered far more than the roundworm. But it was to no avail. And this goes on and on because these people are idiots. Just unadulterated fucking morons. And it's perpetuated by the media. ABC speech police warns of commonly used terms with racist origins. The current racial reawakening is forcing a reexamination of everything from statues to TV shows. Of course, that also includes language. On Thursday, Olivia Eubanks reported for ABC News on some commonly used terms that actually have racist origins. And an article that had to be generous at times stretched the meaning of common and origin. According to Eubanks, some words remain in wide use despite the racially questionable origins. Is that because the definition of these words or phrases have often been lost over time, experts said. Isn't that a good thing? A sign that America's moved away from race? Uh, no. There is racism embedded throughout our language system, just like every other system, said Jeffrey Barge, a Philadelphia Inquirer colonist, those are the angry grammarian We need to dig deeper to understand where the phrases and words we use come in from. Because if we don't, we are being complicit in perpetuating the racist systems that are embedded in our language. How can we be complicit in racism if the meaning of the word or phrase is completely changed? Good question. A real problem would be if we were still using them with racist intent. Turns out it doesn't matter. To say these phrases or words are just expressions, or to say the intent of using the word is not meant to be racist, is not good enough, Barge explained. We have to consider how someone feels when you use the terms. Ah yes, the answer is subjective feeling test. The article then lists and explains some commonly used terms that actually have a racist origin. The first was open the kimono, which is a little unclear on the origins, not the well-known by either way, was said to amplify a stereotypical view of Japanese culture. When focused on a literal meaning, Alan Connor, author of The Crossword Century and Joy of Quiz, complained that phrases sound rude and predatory. The next term was fuzzy wuzzy, which I have never heard used except on a children's nursery rhyme about a bear. It was commonly used way back in the 1800s and immortalized in Ruder Kipling's Fuzzy Wuzzy, which complemented the brave actions of the Hedona warriors in colonial Sudan. Only later it became a derogatory way to refer to natural hair textures of people of color. The same then came plantation, such as shutter, blind, style-wending, etc. As reported, the word plantation appeared in English, and 1400s originally meant plant, According to it, John Kelly, Senior Research Editor at Dictionary.com, it was not until the 1600s that the word was defined as an estate. The last part is incorrect. The 1600 plantation meant a new colony or settlement, such as Plymouth Plantation, Rhode Island, Providence, the latter founded by abolitionist Roger Williams, and on the ballot to be renamed this year. So again, it's not the origin of the word that matters, but what the word has come to be associated with more recently. Other expressions said to have racist origins included off-the-reservation, Eskimo, peanut gallery, paddy wagon, Indian-style, mumbo-jumbo, not many of which actually have clear racist origins that they can prove. No matter, the speech police are on the case. The city streets may no longer be safe, but at least feelings are being protected. These fucking people are insane. They're, just, they're, they're, they're speech police, we've said it. They mince, they're wordsmiths. It just doesn't matter. And it's evident in our last woke soundbite, these are college students saying, A, well, Camille Harris can't be the VP because she used to be a cop and cops are bad. And B, all debt should be wiped out. Even though they know, taxpayers will pay for it.
35: Hi, I'm Edward Nuret with Campus Reform. With Kamala Harris being Joe Biden's frontrunner for the vice presidential nomination slot, we're here today to talk to young Americans about her past as a law enforcement official. Given some of the Black Lives Matter protests, would they be okay with a former law enforcement official being on the ticket with Biden? Let's find out. Right, so Biden is set to choose his vice presidential nominee in a couple days. The rumor is the frontrunner is a former law enforcement official. So given what we've seen in the past few weeks with Black Lives Matter, with George Floyd, the racial protests... What do you think about that? Do you think he should be choosing a former member of law enforcement to be his VP uh, at this time? A
36: little bit charged. I mean, if you choose somebody of law enforcement right now, uh, we got to think about the, uh, the black community.
37: Um, I don't think it is in Biden's best interest to choose a candidate that has that kind of history. Do you think it's
35: appropriate for Biden to be choosing someone who was formerly in law enforcement?
31: No, I don't think so. There's so many other people that he can use to his advantage.
35: I could see why people find it iffy, you feel me? Yeah. It's kind of inappropriate, the timing. So actually, the, the front runner is Kamala Harris. I don't know if you're familiar with her. She had a career as a former prosecutor, former attorney general. And so again, uh, now knowing who specifically it is, what do you think about that? Do you think choosing her would send the message, you know,
36: anti-Black Lives Matter?
31: Yeah, I do. I don't, I don't think it's a very smart move to do.
36: Do you think she would be the wrong choice? It's really difficult to say. I mean, you know, obviously I'm not a person of color, so it's, uh, it's especially difficult for me to say. I would say we probably should not have Kamala Harris.
7: But the one issue that I really see is the timing and all. Like with all that's going down, Nowadays, he could have picked a better time to, like, choose this or something.
37: I know Kamala Harris has that history as a prosecutor.
17: For me, I don't really mind that much, but I could see how it could cause a lot of turmoil and negatively affect, you know, his chances of of election.
37: What America needs right now is somebody who is more progressive and adaptive to change. Uh, I don't think the vice presidential nominees should be even that kind of
35: history. More broadly, beyond Kamala, beyond uh, Biden, just in general right now, whether you're talking about leadership positions just in society, whether you're talking about governmental positions, do you think it's the right time for people who are currently in law enforcement or previously to be seeking these positions of power right now?
36: Oh, definitely not the time. Completely inappropriate. You can see the people are angry. You know, the first and foremost, you got to listen to your population. you got to listen to your people.
7: Yeah, I feel like right now they shouldn't be running for government officials i feel like they should take a step back yeah it probably
17: isn't the right time cuz i mean everyone knows what's going on in the united states right now and definitely there's a there's this a lot of tension between the people and law enforcement.
31: I think it takes a lot of nerve for people to be doing that, if I'm going to be on it. Like for law enforcement as of right now, like not all law enforcement is bad. And I definitely don't think that because I have like friends, family, friends that are police and I have so much respect for them. But I do think that, as I said, like, there's so many other people in the world that like have different opinions and um, will make the world so much better place.
37: Given a lot of backlash and injustices that have been revealed. I don't think it's the right right time for law enforcement officers to be seeking to solidify or expand their positions. How long would you say until
35: these law enforcement officials could go back to seeking these positions of higher office?
36: I think before anything happens, um, there needs to be a general consensus where the African American community feels safe, they feel respected, they feel heard. I don't know, it could be six months, it could be three months, it could be a couple years, who knows. Until that happens, I don't think law enforcement has any place or jurisdiction to uh, get into those positions of power.
35: Hi, I'm Eduardo Nuret with Campus Reform. Thanks for watching. If you want to see more great content like this, be sure to click the subscribe button right here. And if you're interested in joining the Campus Reform team as a correspondent, investigator, or tipster, click right here. Hi, I'm Eduardo Nuret with Campus Reform. With a new democratic plan out there to cancel student loan debt during the coronavirus, we're talking to students about whether they agree with the plan and if they know, who's going to pay for it? So there's a new proposal out there by Democrats to cancel student loan debt uh, during the coronavirus. So what are your thoughts on that? I mean, does that sound like a good idea to you? Would you support, you know, canceling student loan debt in this time?
31: I mean, I definitely think it's a good idea. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea and a really necessary thing for a lot of people who can't support themselves during this time.
30: I 100% uh, support support um, canceling this because... Um, a lot of students right now, they're struggling um, balancing work out with school.
31: Um, I think it is a good idea because right now a lot of people are losing their jobs and, you know, they don't really have a way to pay their student loans. You know, starting your career as a young person and having all that debt, it really does affect you and it, it affects you for a really long time. In
37: my opinion, we shouldn't have to pay for college at all. You know, we see
35: these facilities here. Someone has to pay for these buildings. Someone has to pay for the professors and teachers. So,
37: um, you know, if people weren't paying for college, who, who would pay for it in your mind? In my opinion, like, the, our society doesn't even need money in general. So, like, everybody would work. And just instead of, like, the money they received, they would just, like, receive the things that they needed virtually, I guess. Let's say I, I don't want
35: to work as hard as you. Okay. In this system, do I get the same food options, school options, car options as you? Or do we still all get the same?
37: Pretty much. I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, we're still going to need, like, a garbage man. And then at the end of the day, we're still going to need a doctor. Like, in Cuba, for example, they're, they're all paid pretty, like, um, bad. Like, you know, and they get, like, about the same amount of food and stuff like that.
35: Why would someone go through the stress and the hard work of becoming a doctor when you can say, hey... I'll be an Uber driver. If if Uber drivers make the same as doctors, you know what what would be the point?
37: It's not about making the same, because they're not making any money. There's no money involved. There's just like you work for to like to to live comfortably. Is student loan debt any different than credit card debt? Should we stop at student loan debt?
35: Would you guys support even moving beyond student loan debt and even canceling mortgages? uh, rent payments, other types of debt and expenses.
31: I don't think it should stop at student loan debts. I think medical debt is also a really big deal.
30: Rent would definitely be one. I feel like it should be froze.
31: So I'm not sure how I feel about like mortgage um, and things like that because you do choose that. Don't
35: people choose to take on student loan debt?
31: That's true. Yeah. I mean, you're right. You have me there. Honestly, I would just stop at student loan debts because you need education and credit card debt. You can like, it's on you. Because, I mean, with credit card debt, I mean, you, like, you bought it. Some
35: people might say with education, though, you know, nobody forced anyone to take out student loan debt. You, you chose to take out that debt. So how do you guys respond to that?
31: To make it in this world, you need education to get a good paying job.
35: Who should pay
30: to cancel the student loan debt? That I have no idea. I'd say the government. I have no idea.
31: There's a lot of talk about, you know, what the government is, like, allocating funds to. Well, if it
35: comes from the government, you know, we have almost $30 trillion in debt now. So the government gets this money from somewhere. So, I mean, should it be businesses? Should it be, I mean, who, who's going to give the government the money?
30: The more wealthier people in this, in this country?
31: Top 1% is a common answer for that question. They have accumulated more wealth during the last, like, three months than uh, anyone else. And it's a little bit ridiculous, in my opinion, how much money... Uh, The top 1% has accumulated. I mean, I feel like the 1%, (laughs) you know, they get a lot of tax breaks. How
35: how much of, do you think they should pay? I mean, do you have a ballpark in mind?
31: No idea. I'm sorry. Who should pay?
35: Who should cancel the student loan debt? I
31: have no clue, but I have a feeling it's probably going to come from taxpayers. I guess from taxes. I'm not sure. I have no clue, but probably taxpayers. I feel like at the end of the day, it would be put on the taxpayers. Should it be the school or should it just be taxpayers?
37: It shouldn't be paid by like other taxpayers or something. It should be paid by the person who, you know, made that contract. Could have went to Miami Dade College, or broad college, and like would have paid like $1,000 like per semester or something.
35: There you go. You could have gone to community college. Do you guys agree that it should be taxpayers or do you guys have somebody else in mind?
31: I think it should be somebody else because like we already pay a lot in taxes. So
35: Who comes to mind then if not taxpayers?
31: Taxes for like the richer people in the u.s it's not fair to us lose like i lost my job for almost three months because i work at a restaurant
35: so what would your message be to someone then who says well why should it be my responsibility to pay for other people's debt
6: you know what i'm kind of stumped with that question because at the same time like we don't want to be like
31: socialists you have nothing more to spend your money on so it might as well help someone in need right you buy fancy cars this and that most of the United States is Christian. If you have a religious affiliation like that, you should be able to help your fellow brother or sister out. I adopt a couple of students and help pay our loans off. Take
35: you and me. Let's say I have debt you don't, and I'm going to get mine paid off. I am getting money to pay off that debt. Should you get, even though you don't have any debt, should you get something? Or should it only be people who have the debt that, that sort of get something?
31: Let's help the people out that really need it at first before we start Giving money to people that are already well off or okay. Some people just say like, oh, we should keep cat and taxing the rich, but like we're already doing that. Like I don't I don't know how it's gonna fix anything.
35: Hi, I'm Eduardo Nurette with Campus Reform. Thanks for watching. If you want to see more great content like this, be sure to click the subscribe button right here. And if you're interested in joining the Campus Reform team as a correspondent, investigator, or tipster, Click right here.
4: All right, and that brings us to our sound bite of the day. Before we get there, let me break it down. U.S. Navy SEALs investigating the use of Colin Kaepernick jersey during a canine exhibition in Florida. Billy Corbin, Navy SEAL Museum at Fort Pierce, used Colin Kaepernick's stand-in for canine demonstration in another video after Navy SEALs and Navy SEAL dogs take down Kaepernick for not standing during National Anthem. He moans something like, oh, man, I will stand, I will stand. The inherent message of video is completely inconsistent with the value of the Navy, but I thought it was fantastic. And Robert O'Neill, the guy who shot bin Lund, the last thing Osama Lund saw was an American flag. It was on my shoulder. I was standing. So, yes, it makes our sound by of the
23: day. Well,
22: my gosh.
23: What can I say except Debbie, you're going to Paris, and this is the final answer heard all around the world. He's
8: won a million dollars. Go, here comes Raven. Raven is the museum mascot. All right,
11: Josh, he's going to probably get another dog. Here we go. Here comes Callie. Callie's the oldest dog in the field, nine years old. Josh going to pick another one, maybe, maybe not, here we go, here comes Storm, young buck on the field, all right, here we go, can Josh take more, here comes Oplon, smash some. I've seen Josh with 12
8: dogs at one time, all right, here we go.
14: Oh, who's going to take On your belly. Turn over. On your belly. Oh, man, I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> only kidding. Yes, I'm a real good guy. No, you're not. I'm no, not that you know mean. Watch oh, out. Oh. dog. What? <laughs> <It's a long laughs>
4: We do our this is America this story is just broken I don't know the credibility but it makes sense to me and it will be ignored by our media Raheem Kasim a real journalist the CCP linkeded Soros gated Soros Gate back group is actively interfering in the u.s election they're being aided by big tech CEOs the media reports into them are all fawning you're likely not heard of this group before. But they intend to try to swing the election for Biden. From the National Pulse, the Transition Integrity Project appears to be another establishment-sanctioned offensive to nullify the Trump presidency akin to impeachment and the Russian collusion hopes. Now, however, TIP's paramount concern is President Trump's refusal to relinquish the presidency should Democratic candidate Joe Biden win, given the potential for a botched election result for mail-in ballots. And coronavirus, the breathless media coverage of TIP in the last few days has hailed the group's bipartisanship, but a National Pulse investigation has found that the group is anything but. In reality, it's another globalist front comprised by Soros staffers linked to Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and appears to exist for the express purpose of backing Biden's claim to the White House in an event of disputed election in November. Tip claimed to have war-gained potential outcomes of the 2020 election with a host of established figures such as Clinton... 2016 campaign chair and obama era counselor john podesta never trump republican national Committee head michael Steele, and acting chair of democratic national committee donna brazil who leaked presidential debate questions of clinton in 2016 and one concerning iteration podesta who acted as biden seized the presidency by failing to concede as mrs clinton had all we hear about is what if trump won't concede as if he's already lost. Meanwhile, Hillary may have conceded officially, but the Democratic Party has never accepted she lost. Remember, when Democrats accuse a Republican of doing something, they're likely already doing it themselves. Stay tuned, because this is bigger than Russia. You know why? Because it's
9: real. This is America. Don't catch you slipping, no. Don't catch you slipping, no. Look what I'm whipping up. This is America. Don't catch you slipping up. Don't catch you slipping up. It's time for the last sound bike. Like the media say when up. they are pushing think, up. Liberal account totally
5: stories. And this is, this is America in 2019. Hey. Runs in my,
9: area. my area. I got the
7: strap.
16: Hey. Those in power who are doing their darndest. Yeah to discourage people from voting. These elections will be fraudulent. They'll be fixed. They'll be rigged. Closing polling locations and targeting minorities and students with restrictive ID laws.
15: So, we want to have an election. I'd love to see voter ID.
16: Attacking our voting rights with surgical precision, even undermining the postal service in the run-up to an election that's going to be dependent on mail-in ballots.
15: But I also don't want to have to wait for three months and then find out that the ballots are all missing and the election doesn't mean anything. We can witness
16: our federal government sending agents to use tear gas and
15: batons. We're telling them right now that we're coming in very soon. The National Guard, a lot of people, a lot of very tough people. That's where real courage comes from
16: not from turning on each other but by turning towards one another not by sowing hatred and division but by
15: spreading love and truth and we're telling right now these protesters and many should be arrested because these are professional agitators these are professional anarchists these are people that hate our country
32: so if anybody uh... decides that they're going to attack barack obama or anybody else for speaking the way they did at john lewis's funeral they knew what were what was going to happen and if if somehow it's sleazy to talk about the right of black and white uh... hispanic uh... asian-american uh... voters to be able to get out and profess their democratic choice on election day, if that's somehow sleazy, well, um, well, then you have a different view of America than John Lewis and the overwhelming majority of Americans have. Take politics out of it.
2: If you weren't moved by what you saw yesterday in that church, know, there might be something wrong with
4: you. In my zeal to read that story, I forgot to prep the, this is America. And once again, it goes with the narrative, but they took it to the next level because it's Morning Joe, which is how dare you racist criticize Obama politicizing once again at a goddamn funeral from kumbaya to ringtones to bullshit. That motherfucker used every damn moment of the bully puppet he can. And it was his Right. But the moment Trump starts anything off subject, our media drops his briefings. You know that won't happen under Biden. If you criticize Biden once again for politicizing a moment that has nothing to do with politics. Oh, what the fuck? How dare you disrespect the office of the president of the United States? You fucking cretin. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Politics Podcast. Please feel free to share with your family friends and send comments about the track to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com, foppodcastgmail.com. You can get the show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Down and Pocket Cast. Remember to check out the Twitter page at FOP Tony Reed. Our next podcast will be 11 August, year of our Lord, 2020. Until then... The usual thing, disconnect from all your devices, don't give the yeah yeahs, do not listen to social media, research what you can, spend time with your family, and tune back in Tuesday for another show. As always, thank you for listening, and take care.
29: Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast. And Twitter account at FopTony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Makes every day
9: count. I'm the sun and the air. I'll the shinest that is trim and all vulgar. I'm the sun and air. But nothing in particular.